What if these things can read our minds? This is a safe sex zone. Simple, beautiful fish. Good night, campers. Turn on, tune in, talk movies. Welcome to the video cult. I've been eating spice all day! I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. The sleeper awakens! <laughs> Father! <laughs> I fucking love this movie. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> little it's death so good. is French for orgasm. Yeah, that's, that's what orgasm is in French, is little death. <laughs> what are they doing over in France that they equate that with death? They're just oh, really... fucking cool shit, apparently. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I want to go to France There's to die. There's streets ahead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, after you had, like, a couple centuries of, like, chopping off your, you know, your royalty's heads and then, like, surrendering in every single war, I think they they just didn't prioritize oh. themselves, so... So many shots fired in, in one quick uh, quick drive-by of the country of France there, Gabby. Jesus. I, well, you know what? You know, um, I am French, so. Mm, that's fair. You can, you can make those jokes. I'm allowed. These are, my, this yeah. is my, these are my slurs. I can do what yeah. I want with them. Yeah. Those dirty French dogs. Well, here we are, huh? Mm -hmm. Dune, finally. Uh, I've been so to, to give the audience a little peek here. We were going to do this a couple of days ago and I got sick. And uh, so if I sound a little congested today, that's why. But all I've been thinking about is talking about this movie pretty much since since then, because I've watched this several, several times. This is the movie I've know I know best out of all of the movies we've done on the video cult. And uh, God, yeah, this this whole franchise, I, I just love Dune to death because when I um, when I mentioned it, at the end of last episode, like I just saw Nathan vibrating. <laughs> yeah, he w there was a a boyish Christmas morning like excitement yeah. that erupted yeah. out of him. Yeah, like we just told him that um, he's getting a puppy. Mm -hmm. Like he's just like yes. Well, Welcome I to the video cult, <laughs> uh, by the way. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm Nathan. And I'm Gabby. Uh, yeah, and we're doing Dune, 1984, yeah. the David Lynch classic. Mm. Uh, so obviously. We do this every time. We're going to have final thoughts, final thoughts, final thoughts, uh, and not get into it too hard. I'm sure we're picking up that fucking siren that's going by right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, what did uh, what did we all think at, coming away from this? It's a it's a rewatch for all of us. Uh -huh. Was it was it a good rewatch? Yeah, actually, it made me want to pick up the book again because I say that and then I read like try to read the first hundred pages and I'm like oh god there's so much <laughs> like lot. lore it's stuffed into this and then I have to go back I'm like okay I have to read about the Benny Gesserit and I'm like okay fuck okay uh god what's the spice melange oh shit and then I'm like oh god I just lost my place like I'm learning about the fucking Harkonnens and so why most copies of Dune that you buy come with their own glossary? There of is a terms? glossary in the back of yeah, like, and you need it. You really yeah. do need it. It's it's wild. It, it was funny watching this now because this is the umpteenth time I've seen this movie because it's probably my favorite, one of my favorite science fiction movies of all time, and it's extraordinarily nonsensical because 
he's trying to fit like a 700 page book. Mm. 800 and okay, page, more. Actually, I looked it up <laughs> into a two hour film. And of course, that's impossible. So the the jumps and the things that he chooses to, to include or cut or make up uh, are just make the film this wild ride. Like it's, it's honestly like Ma Deeb's wild ride. Yeah. And going through it to make my notes made me stop and think about what I was seeing more. And the more and more that went on, I started to realize, oh, God. This is so much more insane than I of an experience that I'm getting just watching it because now I'm 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 trying to contextualize this for an audience that may not have seen this movie which and it's going to be a struggle. It is. And for those like cuz David Lynch I find um structurally he did his best and I feel like he he did a really good job in putting like the whole like plot of the book, the theme of the book, even though like a lot of it, you just like run by it because like mm. you can't go too in depth with it, or it's gonna take like twelve and a half hours trying to explore like Janny and Paul and um, you know the water of life and all this stuff that sort of happens like the core like plot of the book. You know, Paul becoming like this super Jesus for Arrakis, mm-hmm. but. I I always like bring this up in the podcasts because it's one of my favorite podcasting company ever, besides from Vox Crow. Oh, Please don't stab me, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's the last. Pod- that is so out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the last podcast um, network. They and they go. They have like a almost. Like, I think it's like a twelve episode deep dive into the whole series of Dune, and it's incredible. And I've I've listened listen to like to the that. first couple. It's really good, and um, it's they go in depth, and it's pretty funny because they they have like Dune theater at the end where they act out like these little comedic things. Anyways, it's a great podcast. I recommend it if you're thinking about getting into Dune. So awesome! Shout yeah, out. I can check please, that out. please notice me, senpais. This was not the homecoming that I thought it was going to be <laughs> for me personally. No. <laughs> uh, I always liked this movie. Um, but after watching it this time, I don't love it. <laughs> uh, and I'll get into it because there, I will say there are things that I love about it. Uh, but ultimately it, I find it wastes its own time trying to do things that maybe worked in the book, uh, but don't work as a movie. And we've seen a more recent version of this same narrative that I think does a better job and is sometimes doing the exact same shit <laughs> as this movie, but like the dials just turned a little bit and it, and it, and it works a little bit better. Yeah. So yeah. I and mean, I'll, I'll bring up certain things as it, as it happens. Definitely but, like... Cause I, I, I love, it's a visual feast. Mm-hmm. I love it. There are times where it takes its time and it's worth it, but there are times where it takes its time and I'm like, Holy fuck. <laughs> this could be, this scene could be half this length. Uh, you don't yeah. need to explain these things this way i don't know uh, yeah and and especially considering the first hour and 43 minutes of this movie is 400 pages of the book mm-hmm. yeah. the final 40 minutes of the oh, movie it's a real sprint is 400 <laughs> pages yeah. of the book <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's basically a montage after that and i think 
this this move the biggest problem with this movie is that it's not six hours long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If six hours of this oh visual God. look, yes. this type of storytelling, these yeah. actors, much better. Yeah. Um, Definitely, but, uh, probably my favorite David Lynch um, movie because. I, I liked Eraserhead when I first saw it. I was like, it's so weird, blah, 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 blah. And then Mulholland Drive and all this stuff. Like, it's, I, I'm i not seeing, like, the, I will probably get hate for this because I feel like there's going to be, like, some David Lynch fanboys who are going to be like, she doesn't understand she's a woman. <laughs> she didn't talk about Wild at Heart. How come she didn't bring up Wild at Heart? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I, I think Wild at Heart doesn't get enough attention. <laughs> yeah, probably that. But, like, I like... The like the more like because this one's like not really based on reality, but this one has like actual dialogue that you can follow, and there's not like my log has something to tell you. Even though I love Twin Peaks, but I like Dune the the best. He's he's forced to follow source material, he which is. I think is a good thing for a director like yeah. David Lynch sometimes to like, I love, yeah, I love his stuff where he can just do whatever weird shit he wants. Yeah. But taking a director like that, who just is too, too much for some people yeah. and being like, well, you got to follow, you have to make this make sense. Yeah. And then you get something really interesting out of it. Yeah. He just also managed to pick something that is fucking bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it works for him because like you get a lot of like odd imagery and like it works for the like the crazy story that is Dune. So Yeah. Anyways, let's get into this. Oh baby. Oh I'm he's, so he's, excited. He's so excited. <laughs> All right. Dune nineteen eighty four. Please do not uh, conflate this with with the 2021 they are different beasts so yeah actually before we go i feel like for my final thought i'm going to do a whole casting thing where i'm going to take bits and pieces from each movie <laughs> and cast my perfect version of dune yeah kyle mclaughlin now yeah. but everyone treats him like he's 15 yeah, yeah. <laughs> the excellent punching the mic for emphasis there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no. all right uh all right so we uh, we start off with some space credits here, and uh, then we see a woman's face. This is Princess Arulian, and uh, she is the daughter of the Emperor of uh, the known universe. Don't get used to her, by the way. She'll be narrating throughout, so they wanted to show her face here, but you'll see her again at the very end of the movie, and that's about it. The year is 10,191. Uh, the humanity's in a weird place. Quite frankly, uh, to explain this would take more time than we have on a podcast, but uh, there we've colonized a bunch of planets. Uh, there's an emperor of the known universe. The w- way this empire all runs is on the spice melange. So it's basically like Arrakis is like planet Iraq and spice is like oil. It's very much like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was Frank Herbert's yeah. original yeah. intention. Yeah. And uh, so basically space travel uh, through vast distances is only possible through the use of spice, which the space guild run by the navigators use to uh, basically take their psycho powers and, and fold space so that they can travel. Basically, all of this is to, to set up our, our movie here. So uh, Arulian says some of this stuff. 
Uh, once the power she... to become supreme. The power yes. to become master of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, if you've seen Masters of the Universe, it's God, the same It's the same thing. intro. Uh, it's the same oh intro. It's the same intro. Basically the same intro. And uh, so uh, she fades out. And then she fades back in to tell us that she forgot to tell us <laughs> that uh, the, the spice can only be found on Arrakis uh, in this one planet. And, uh, and then she also tells us a little bit about the Fremen prophecy uh, that is, is basically the Messiah space Jesus coming to uh, uh, take control of things and, and lead them uh, into the light kind of. And uh, we get our, t- our title card over scenes of a, of a beautiful yellow desert. Where we find out that Toto did the music. I couldn't yeah. remember if it was Toto or Asia. Uh, I don't know which would be stranger, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. What did you guys think of the music in this? I, oh, I like the music. Yeah, the music's great. <laughs> they really missed the chance to say, Bless the Rains Down in Arrakis. Yeah. Bless the Rains Down in Arrakis. doesn't really have that ring to it. doesn't roll quite the same. It would have been great playing over the the worm battle scene at the end there, though. Yeah, I do like the the. I mean, obviously, the music that sticks out the most is the kind of final like guitar mm. riff, yeah, battle music that that comes mm. up. It's it's good, but yeah, I did like all of the music yeah. uh, in mm. this movie. It is good. They they clearly went for the they went for score as opposed mm-hmm. to just yeah make it like turning it into mm. a jukebox musical. So yeah. it is commendable. God, can yeah. you imagine. <laughs> And just Toto songs that are describing <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. Hey, they could have got a lot more of the plot out. Yeah. yeah. Just, just like, oh and they're looking at each other, but they don't know each other's thoughts. But we're hearing those thoughts. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you, Josh. This is a public service announcement. Throughout this movie, you will hear people's internal monologues as they kind of just stare mm. past the camera. And uh, I'll do oh, we'll do our best wh- whenever that's happening to be like, OK, this is they are telling us this, but they are mm-hmm. telling us this as their internal thoughts as opposed to speaking those thoughts. So which is a, a thing that is a function in the book to mm. kind of set things up and make you go, oh, and those and certain people are in the room together. But it's a movie. It's a movie. With visual storytelling. <laughs> there were times where someone just would like be making a face where it's like, oh, this guy's like clearly in shit. And then and then his his inner monologue is, oh no, I am in shit. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we know. Like, how many seconds of this movie could be shaved off if we yeah. took out all the times that someone like yeah. waits for the laugh track to, to finish so they can say their line? Like it, it's like it was like when you fucking watch those like Friends or Big Bang Theory with no laugh track and oh. everyone stares at each other like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> that happens in this movie so much of just like someone will ask a question, it's answered, and then they'll stare at them like a fucking they're running Windows ninety five trying to fucking be- boot up the next question for them. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, Paul does some buffering in this yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, so. We we go from our uh, our our credits over the sand to a uh, kind of a video presentation. Paul is watching uh, like a little infographic uh, on his uh, on his computer, um, and it's talking about the uh, the various planets that are going to be relevant in this movie. So you have Arrakis, you have Caladan, which is the uh, the home of. House Atreides, which Paul is is the heir to, and you have uh, House Harkonnen uh, on Gidi Prime, who are their sworn enemies, 
And the the movie especially makes a big deal about the signet ring. Mm. Of, and I love that this, even this little like history blurb on it was just like, mm, the Baron would really like to get his hands on Duke Leto's ring. <laughs> I love that they use it as a like, to to put the crest on like a wax sta- like wax yeah. seal mm-hmm. on an envelope and shit like Buddy's just going around punching his mail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a lord. <laughs> sure, it's like if if you're not familiar with Dune in the in the the Dune universe, the it's Dune universe, the Dune universe as as the fans call it, <laughs> universe cinematic universe. Yeah. They there's a, a real mix of of high and low technology in the setting. So there, there isn't things like computers. Humans are kind of the computers mm. of the setting. There's a special yeah. type of person called the a mentats. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a lot of things that are that they do that are kind of techno archaic almost. Right. So, Josh, you mentioned like putting his. Yeah. Putting his his little stamp on the, the wax of this. Uh, we'll see Duke Leto do this later uh, on, on kind of like a scroll thing in a in a golden tube. And one of the the great things about this movie is and the the 2020 version is that they do such a great job of making the setting so wonderfully weird because of this kind of archaic bent to what is otherwise like high technology sci-fi uh so we'll see that throughout and it's it's one of my favorite parts so i just i wanted to mention that but this movie is super stylish and uh we see that pretty much everywhere except maybe some of the uh like the computer presentations like in the beginning beginning here uh, so we, we get a little backstory on each of the planets and the families and the, the emperor and his business, uh, as well as the spacing guild. And then we, uh, head to We're in the emperor's throne room. Yes. Yeah. The emperor's throne room. Uh, I was trying to remember the name of the planet, but it's something like Caitlin or Caitlin or something. The planet Caitlin. Chitin or... Chitin. 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 Yeah, Chitin, Chitin, thank you. I think it is, yeah. I wrote most of these down, but my spell checker is just like, dude, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. Sure about you that? Sure about that? Yeah. Uh, I love the uh, outside shot, the establishing shot that we get. Um, mm. There's a lot of good, like, mm-hmm. they're cl- clearly models and layered uh, effects and stuff to give us, like, city shots. So we get to see, like, the palace, and then there's, like, a city skyline off across, like, a harbor, futuristic skyline, and all that stuff looks great. I love looking at that stuff. Yeah. The the in- inside of uh, the Imperial Palace is pretty cool, too. It's, it's almost a bit of, like, a techno beehive vibe to it. Mm. It's got almost little, like, stalactites coming down, but they're they're kind of... Yeah. hexagonal-ish copper like a, pipe yeah yeah a lot of copper yeah. pipes uh, like someone saw a, tra- a fucking tuba and was just like this everywhere <laughs> did you guys also check the um like a guy like holding a bunch of leashes for dogs oh my god those dogs yes yeah the sp- i made the, special notes of the space dogs in the this movie. space dogs because they keep coming up and mm-hmm. like over and over but it just reminded me of like that poor bellhop of the taking of beverly hills yeah right <laughs> he's like wrestling all these dogs you think he's like goddamn like he he quit his job in beverly hills thinking like you know okay i'll work for this intergalactic emperor it's gonna be great i'm gonna have like a new job and like they just hand him a bunch Pe- of leashes. people will finally treat me with respect and, yeah. yeah no they just hand him a bunch of leashes for like Space the emperor's bugs. like 17 space pugs yeah <laughs> i love that some of the guys walking around this room look they got like the star trek alien look where yeah. it looks like they have like prosthetics on their nose or mm. their ears are made to look bigger yeah. and then when we see them later in the movie they're not it's just a <laughs> bunch of jacked up old alcoholics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
so the the emperor is is yeah kind of in his throne room here and uh the space guild has sent uh a a delegation of of a, a navigator and and his kind of entourage to to speak with the emperor and uh, there's a bunch of people like milling around in the background here. Uh, the, our princess shows up for a very quick cameo before the emperor tells her to leave the scene. Mm-hmm. And um, before the, the navigators come in and they come in through this giant blast door, like <laughs> I, again, one of those things that a blast doors where blast doors don't always need to be seems to be a theme of our movies. Uh, the emperor kind of getting ready for him just kind of shrugs his cape off onto the floor for his own reasons, I don't know why, but it's it's just a, a nice little thing that he does. And uh, he's joined by the first uh, reverend mother of the uh, Bene Gesserit that we will see in this movie. She is his kind of personal advisor. And, great uh, costume. Mm-hmm, oh, they look the great. The Bene Gesserit in this movie look sick. Like, with their, it's like, it looks like weird, like, Mongolian, like royalty rows mm-hmm. where they have like a big part of their head shaved off and like like one part of their hair is like wrapped up and it looks great exactly what i think the benny Gesserit looks like yeah this movie does um other other than the things that it changes the space guild guys i think look more like abe sapien in the books mm-hmm. um but the stuff i remember having seen this movie then going back and reading the book and re-watching it there's a lot of things that do feel as described from the book. Mm-hmm. There is a, I think there's some visuals that really nail it in this movie for tra- in translating there. Yeah. yeah. Once the royal blast doors open, it reveals kind of a large black armored fish tank is probably the best way I could describe it. Uh, that is flanked on either side by an entourage of, of dudes in kind of black glittery battle skirts. I, I don't, Again, sometimes these descriptions are a little hard. Uh, one they of them like has the a vacuum dudes cleaner. backing up Michael Shannon's Zod. Like they look like those guys in Man <laughs> yeah. of Steel. It's just like, all those guys yeah. that are like, "We are slave to the world engine." They look like them. Yeah, but they have like this like little microphone in front of them, which oh, looks. I want so that microphone. The fucking so HR bad. Geiger fucking yeah. microphone. Yeah. There's a lot of HR Geiger oh, looking shit in this. Like the inside of like the Atreides like castle i was mm. like this looks like alien ships yeah like, this looks like well, from alien. we'll get into it but like i find like it's interesting the way that we see like caladan um and the leto like um royal home because like in the inside it looks like a like a wooden ship because like they're so close to the sea and i think that sort of like plays into it well then you have like on getty prime which is oh the harkonnens um home planet and it, it does look like H.R. Geiger and like industrial and weird tube like shit it's amazing so yeah Giddy Prime god once we get to the uh, like the, the scene with where we kind of meet the Baron in his weird green room that's gonna be a that's gonna be a thing yeah. but you know what I didn't think about when you chose Dune for us to do? We have to explain the fucking plot of Dune. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is this is gonna probably be like a long episode. It was yeah. our longest movie, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's. So move. yeah, so the uh, <laughs> the the navigator uh, enters with with his entourage. Uh, one of them kind of is is the speaks for them at the beginning here, and uh, yeah, has has the greatest microphone I've ever seen. Um, and uh, the the basics of it is that the uh, the navigators have 
caught wind of a plan the emperor has that mm. involves the spice mining on Arrakis. And they're very concerned about this. And they know it involves uh, House Harkonnen and House Atreides. And basically, they're, they've come to the emperor to demand he tell them what's going on. You are transparent. I see many things. I see plans within plans. I see two great houses. House Atreides, House Arconan Fumi. I see you behind it. The, uh, at this point we get a, a wonderful um, scene where the the navigator is revealed so his his fish tank is is totally enclosed by this black armor and it, it opens up and then he is there um the best way i could describe him is maybe like if cthulhu was a fetus <laughs> and like kind of beigey colored and yep. just in the grossest water like pond water you've seen yeah like the dreamcast game seaman if he was like you know mutated he was <laughs> <laughs> Uh, more so, mutated more <laughs> mutated yeah um so you get a floats yeah you kind of floats around the the tank we get a we get some nice close-ups of of the gribbliness of of the navigator uh he's kind of got these like i don't know if they're gills or some kind of however his respiratory system works but it, it seems to um shoot out maybe like spice or 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 something it, it's it's he's got a whole thing going on there um it's very cool the uh the emperor kind of asks him about his journey or uh sorry he tells the emperor about his journey to to uh the the palace and the emperor just responds to he's like oh that's, that's nice you know like kind of uh then then he uh yeah he demands the the emperor tell him about what's going on here the emperor kind of lets him in on well the atreides have this new army fuck them yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they have secret voice powers, and that scares me. And so I've made this deal with the Harkonnens that the Atreides are going to replace them on Arrakis, but we're going to double-cross the Atreides, and there's a, there's a traitor in their midst, and we're going to attack them. Uh, the Harkonnens are going to kind of lay in wait, attack them once they get settled on the planet, and I'm also going to give them some of my troops, and we're going to wipe them out, and then the Harkonnens are going to yeah. take it over again. And uh, the navigator is just like, oh, cool. All right. Uh, but you have to kill Duke Leto's son, Paul. And uh, the emperor is just like, oh, you mean you mean Leto, right? You mean the Duke Leto. Obviously, that's what yeah. you mean. And the navigator is like, no, no, no. Uh, you need to kill Paul. Uh, that's, you know, did I stutter kind of thing? <laughs> and, uh, did I fucking stutter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so he uh, then... So the emperor is just like, okay, fine, that's that's fine, I don't mind. And uh, the navigator leaves. He goes to leave. He he gives the emperor a little, I was never here. We never had this conversation. Type Make of sure so. you kill that fucking fifteen year old. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's like the fucking um, like intergalactic psyops. Mm -hmm. And uh, so during this time, the uh, the reverend mother had been sent away because the the navigator didn't want her spying but she no. just went into the other room he, and spied yeah. because they have a not 
ever explained in the movie's suite of powers, but just be advised that, like, the Bene Gesserit always just kind of know what's going on. Yeah, they're, like, almost like these, like, superhuman... They're all women. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little sort of backstory into that is um, the Bene Gesserits are like this long generation of women who I think like kind of unlocked like that special part of their brains mm-hmm. that can like communicate. Oh, they limitless themselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And, Bradley Cooper uh, with one of them, gave them a pill. Yeah. <laughs> and they have like this. Well, it's. I have actually I have my book of Dune in front of me with the glossary. So according to Dune uh, glossary, it's the ancient school of mental and physical training established primarily for female students after the Butlerian Jihad destroyed the so-called thinking machines and robots. So the Butlerian Jihad was like basically this war where people kind of wiped out a lot of like their like computer technology. So that's why they have Mentats instead of actual computers. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically, Benny Jesserits are like, um, they kind of go into different um, royal like families and sort of insert themselves as like their big like political sort of beings. But sometimes they're sort of not married because marriage is specifically for like between royal families, but like they serve as like concubines for a lot of lords so this has been dune hour yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a lot of us describing what's happening and just myself and nathan and probably josh just being like okay this is what happens in the book this is important because it's showing up in the movie obviously so mm-hmm. so the uh the reverend mother she's in a, a side room and she's there with some of her um some of the other Bene Gesserits that are kind of her, her subservience and she's heard everything. And so she, she just tells them we need to go to Caladan and get a look at this Paul Atreides. We need to, we need to see why the navigators are so into this kid. Um, they really have it out for that they, they, boy. Yeah. yeah. That 24-year-old that boy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I know. I was like, young Paul looks like he's 30. Yeah. yeah. He was 24, I believe, at the time. 23, okay. 24. Oh, okay. um, But he's, you know, it, he's got that early 80s rough 24. Like, yeah. He didn't wear sunscreen he, in the 70s as yeah. kids. So. He, he looks like he's like, yeah, he, he doesn't look like he could play like a 15-year-old. Unlike Timmy Chalamet, who, who looks young. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's he is a much more believable Paul yeah. to the books than I don't know, but I yeah. do kind of I'll get more into this at okay. the end. But I I do like Kyle McLaughlin as Paul. Oh, he's he's great. I'm not not knocking him. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, we arrive on Caladan, and it's uh, it's a wet and rocky world. We get uh, some lovely shots of of waves crashing against the rocks, and uh, the princess does some more vo for us here. Um, and it's a lot of nonsense words at once. She really lays it on here. We, uh, start talking about the Quidatch Satterat. Quizatz Hatterach. Uh, Hatter- Qu- thank you. Quizatz Hatterach. Thank you. Hatterach. Hatterach. Um. Hatterach or Hatterach? Hatterach. Yeah. And another part of, like, a big chunk of this you, They didn't episode. say it enough in the movie for you? <laughs> no. <laughs> for sure they say it 90,000 times. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be a lot of us, like, trying to pronounce these words, yeah. too, so... 
so basically the idea is that uh, for 90 generations, the Bennett Gesserit sisterhood has been doing some light eugenics in uh, hopes of creating <laughs> a, a sprinkle a, of eugenics. Yeah, a super being messiah. And the way they've been doing this is is through various intermarriages of noble houses and, and things. And they're they're basically trying to take the best bits from everyone who was ever a good leader and uh you know, through through the powers of, of baby making, yeah. uh, eventually make but uh, Super Messiah. They're only supposed to birth women, like f- girls. Yeah, or at least that's what Jessica was, uh, was Lady Jessica to. was told to do. Yeah, but and she did not. She did not because she loves the Duke so so much. So we. Uh, she likes that Daddy Leto. Mm-hmm. Which... <laughs> uh, so Jessica is is the Duke's concubine. She's a member of the the Bennett's uh, Bennett Gesserit. And she, uh, yeah, she, she disobeyed their, their order to, to have Paul. And so we, uh, we, we get a little bit of the inside of House Atreides here. There's some establishing shots. It's dope as fuck. I want to live there, quite frankly. Um, the floating light ship drone things that they have that just kind of meander around the hallways. They're so impractical. But I love oh, it so, so much. So much shit is so impractical. Like <laughs> yeah. that's garish yeah. decorative oh, it's shit. Good. Like basically yeah. it's like a Roomba if a Roomba had a stone gargoyle on top of it <laughs> yeah, and <that's>... flew. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even like vacuum, it's just like a random light. It's just a random light source that you're just like, okay, well, that's that's good. But it is good. It's very like kind of England castle y mm-hmm. and it's raining. Mm. Uh so all that stuff's great. But yeah, the woman showing up and just being like the fucking audacity of you to think you <laughs> yeah. could give birth to Jesus. Yeah. Bitch. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. So we we meet Paul for the first time here. He's uh doing some studying on the the planets of the universe. And um so he he's first he's checking out the planets where the uh, mentats are trained. Those are the human computers. And um, so much like the navigators, they're kind of like altered humans. Uh, but visibly, they're, the only real thing is that they have red lips that are stained from a liquid that they drink that kind of boots up their mind to computer mode. It's not just red lips. It's not like they're wearing makeup or no, lipstick. No, no, they no. look like a kid at a summer <laughs> birthday party who's jacked up on Kool-Aid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they look like the kid who doesn't know how to wipe their mouth. It's a hilarious do you think, like, do you think fe- feature to me. They're yeah. like, okay, I gotta I gotta boot in. So they they just grab like both hands. You know like how sometimes kids like grab like a big glass by both oh, hands yeah. and like, start like chugging it. And they 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 don't stop until it's like Oh, like a kid running, a kid when you would run inside and get that glass of water, and it's like, yeah, just try to breathe and drink at the same time. I did that way more times as a kid than is at all necessary. Like you'd think at some point you'd be like, no, 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 one thing or the other thing. Took me years. Yeah, at one point you just stop. One one time was the last time, and then you don't think about it forever. And then you're like, oh man. I like to imagine like this is like just a couple years ago, and like (laughs) like, after you're done like running, because like he's insane. He used to run to school when the fucking yeah. And I just imagine just like running. Yeah, excuse me. (laughs) You know. Honestly, you're not far off the case. I've waterboarded myself so many times at races, <laughs> running races, just because I was just like, no, 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 like I can, I can manage this. I can yeah. manage a good pace. And because all you have to do is like, 
just slow down for five seconds, right? You make yeah. that up, no problem. Like, I'm running a marathon. Five seconds is yeah, literally yeah. nothing to make up. Is my brain going to let me do that? No. No, it's not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take that glass of water. I'm going to shove it down my throat at the same time I breathe. Yeah. And then I'm going to cough and sputter for half a kilometer. Um, yeah, it's stupid because it's I'm just, dumb. I just, I got to go fast. I got to go fast. <laughs> yeah. My, my hero goes fast and yeah. I have to go fast. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> just eating chili dogs, That's running right. a marathon. <laughs> Sonic does it. It must be right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just picture Nathan like just he, he's like obviously sweats like pouring down, but it's like blue paint. Oh yeah. And he like spiked his hair like a <laughs> Get a tattoo of Sonic with like a a fucking uh Oh my god, I completely like <laughs> with a steroid syringe just says Sonic says anything it takes. There we go. <laughs> uh. Okay. Yeah, I I can't. The only thing I can't do with when I'm on a race is wear my Sonic Chew medallion because it just it goes everywhere. <laughs> Back to Paul. Paul, what what's up? Uh, what were we? Oh yeah, he's doing some homework here. Um, so the computer shows him uh, Arrakis next, and he gets the lowdown on kind of how spice harvesting works and, and the weather. Uh, then Giddy Prime, where the Harkonnens live. Um, it's it's basically it's it's any evildoer's dream industrial hellscape of a planet, basically. And uh, cherub like architecture. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the computer. This is where the computer gives us that weird bit of exposition about how much Baron Harkonnen covets uh, the Atreides signet ring. And uh, then Not the only thing he covets. No, oh, no, oh, God. <laughs> he wants that sweet, sweet boy flesh. Yeah, yeah. that sweet little booty hole. <laughs> oh. God. So the door opens behind Paul, and uh, three three guys walk in, including uh, Patrick Stewart as Gurney. Uh, we also get uh, Doctor Yui and the Mentat uh, Thurfor. Uh, the Mentat guy. I know I've I looked them up. I think I've seen him in a couple of things. But the uh, Doctor Yui is Dean Stockwell, who was mm. uh, very famously on uh, Quantum Leap for many years. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Okay. And the the guy who plays um, Mentat Thurfer. He's uh, Toby Jones' dad. Toby Jones. I think he's he's mostly known for I think being in the Hunger Games a couple times. Which which Hunger Games character was he? He was like Caesar. Uh, what the fuck, Caesar? Like um, he's like a fancy anchor, news anchor. Oh, he's that dude. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's like in a lot of other stuff, movies. but for I yeah. don't know, he's in a lot of British stuff because dude is British. But isn't he just like always like a small Nazi scientist and shit? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Hey <laughs> <laughs> man, whatever pays the bills. Oh yeah, whatever pays the bills, buddy. And uh, so now uh, Paul's just like, hey. I know, Thufer, I'm sitting with my back to the door. I heard you, Dr. Yui, and Gurney coming down the hall. Those sounds could be imitated. I'd know the difference. It's such a, like, child... It even really From is. both those yeah. sides, yeah. it's a, like, child's argument. Yeah. Of, like, and, uh, well, it's like, I, no, I no, no, I have powers. shields. Yeah. I have shields. I have shields. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, in, no I'm, I'm impervious to knives. 
Like, it's just that shit. And it's like, no, I knew it was your footsteps. Oh, well, I used a footstep faking machine. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm already calibrated to your version 2.3.0 of the footstep making machine. Yeah. Get on my level. Get on with it. Just fight the pole. (laughs) Just fight the pole that comes out of the ceiling. Yeah. Well, Versity has to uh, fight Patrick Stewart. Because uh, Paul thinks that they've been sent here to test him. And, and uh, Gurney, Patrick Stewart, is holding this kind of, uh, like, almost like a, a loot, if a loot was the size of, like, a, a base. Yeah. It's like a base it loot. It kind of looks like, um, oh, it's it's mainly used in, like, West Africa. It's like a string instrument. And, um, oh, God. I'll get back to it. Okay. But I'll come back to it after the break. <laughs> We're to do right. West Africa research. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I remember learning uh, about it, like some um, West African traditions, like um, oh God, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, they have string instruments similar to that. All right. So we we get a little bit of uh, our, our first head narration here from uh, Thurfer, 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 what Thurfer. Thurfer. Hacker man. Yeah. Uh, our men tech. Hacker man. Yeah. My, my issue is, and, and the reason why it's I, I get tripped up on names that I'm saying correctly the first time, is that my uh, spell check went wild in my notes. Mm. So sometimes I see it and it's just like, it changed him to theatrical. And I'm just like, no, that's not right. I think usually you should just like just say it as it is. It's just, yeah. just as as my notes say. Yeah. yeah. The that concubine Elvira. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, yeah, Paul thinks that uh, they've been sent there to test him. Uh, he, he thinks it's a musical test, which I think would have been just as good a scene as what we get. Mm-hmm. But uh, Paul uh, Paul is going to have to uh, fight uh, Gurney. It's, it's shield practice. Um, Paul would rather not. Uh, he's but not in the mood. He's not in the mood, but Gurney really doesn't care what Paul wants. So he kind of jumps him. And uh, has a, the first, I think, absolute banger of a line in this movie. Mood's a thing for cattle and love play, not fighting. <laughs> but imagine Patrick Stewart saying Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> Patrick Stewart absolutely delivering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, he attacks Paul uh, as they're both covered in these kind of semi-opaque orange shield boxes. Yeah. They look like Minecraft or Roblox mm. characters. Yeah, that's a great uh, way to put that, yeah. And it's so weird because it's like, I don't think that's how they describe them in the book. I think it yeah. is closer to, like, if they just d- used the Tron technology and mm. rotoscope them to, like, blue on the outside or something, probably would have been closer to the book. And probably a better effect. Yeah. This yeah. effect, I don't think, worked in its day. Uh, it no. does a lot of it does a lot of work there's, covering up what looks like a pretty sweet knife fight. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of like special effects that I find like are pretty dated even for. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. I feel like maybe they just ran out of budget mm. and they're just like shit. We got special. Yeah, because there's a lot of great physical stuff, but then some oh, of yeah. the some of the overlay blue screen things they do. Yeah, even for '84, feel yeah. rough for how expensive this movie was. Uh, and I just yeah feel and I mean but don't get me wrong I, I love this weird box man fight that happens because <laughs> please give me more of this dumb shit yeah they uh, I I think too the shields might semi repel each other as well because there's a lot of like they yeah, they get thrown it, around anytime quite a it bit. hits yeah. blue it's like blocked that's mm. why if they can push the blade through it slowly and that yes. is a, that is a specific a very uh, a very bleh. that is a specific from the book mm-hmm. that they're able to do that but yeah, yeah any t- other time it's sort of they're like you, you see more of the shields and and kind of how they work and don't work in the 2020 film 
mm. uh, where they're they're done. I think a lot a lot better. Uh, in in this one though, it is it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like wearing a big suit of of pillows like when you're a kid and like sumo fighting with with your your sibling and like you're both kind of repelled by each other when you you come to attack uh but they have a they have a nice little fight for a while here and then uh paul gets the upper hand and and uh forces kind of his his blade slowly through gurney's shield and, and has his knife at his throat uh but uh gurney you know he's he's, he's the old sly man here and uh he uh he tells paul that you know you got him but also that he would have joined him in the afterlife because he's got a knife poised to, I think, stab Paul in the spleen. I'm not sure. Somewhere in the midsection. Mm. So they stop fighting. And uh, Paul is really disappointed that everyone's so serious now. And uh, Gurney gives him kind of a, well, Arrakis is real and the Harkonnens are real. And uh, that, that, I that could have a- taken one of your kidneys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you don't want to be going to planet Arrakis having to piss every 15 minutes now, do you? <laughs> So uh, after the fight's done, Paul and Huey talk about Arrakis. Uh, well, Huey does some kind of like mild tests to Paul, uh, just medical tests. And then uh, Paul talks to the Mentat uh, about kind of the very obvious trap of Arrakis. Everyone seems to kind of feel like, oh, yeah, this is clearly a trap. This is bad. Uh, and yeah. like, I'm pretty sure we're all pretty sure the Emperor's involved as well. Right. Like there doesn't seem to be any kind of big secret here. So the uh, Thurfer tells him not to worry because they've got this cool new army. So it's it's all going to be fine. And uh, the next test uh, for Paul today is with the new uh, sound guns that they have. <laughs> and these things are these things are wild. So uh, basically, there's a uh, a little device that straps onto the neck and has kind of a uh, just your your average kind of headset mic coming out of it. And uh, it's connected to a gun that looks like almost like an old school kind of camcorder, but smaller. Uh, and uh, it, it you can use sound, certain sounds, certain vibrations basically can be amplified by this thing to project and cause damage. It kind of reminds me of like there's like a I always do it whenever like I yawn, I do like ah, like that sort of deal. But it just reminds me of like the like a little skit in SNL when Kyle Mooney is just like, okay, I do got to do a couple like vocal arrows. And he was like, pulls back his arm, like a doing like a bone arrow sort of motion. And he was like, ah, <laughs> ah, just like that sort of deal. It just, it just kind of reminded me of that. We're just like, um. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very much that kind of thing. And, um, so his, his opponent for this one is kind of, uh, the best way I could describe it is maybe like a huge stabby golden massage wand that descends from the ceiling. And uh, it kind of it shows off its weaponry to us while Paul gets his gun on and changes into what looks like kind of fencing gear. And then he enters this uh, this kind of fenced off circular area that is, I guess, it's its range. And it, it tries to kind of shoot and stab him with a bunch of different stuff that he has to he has to dodge. And then he, he you know, blows up all of its various bits. One by I love one. the nonsensicalness of yeah. this machine, yeah. too. It's literally just like it's like it's just a suicide machine. It's not really <laughs> yeah. em, it's not emulating any type of battle that your fight no. you would ever actually be in. It's just throwing shit at you constantly <laughs> yeah. in a weird way. Um, all it's I like could, it's like the dial. It was like a dialect, you know, like from Doctor Who. 
Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Dalek, Dalek or, like or, a... or, or Gladys from Portal yeah. Yeah, kind of thing going like... on. All I could think of was the the actual suicide machines from Futurama. <laughs> just you yeah. go into the booth and yeah. it's just like stabbing you with. I need the... you to fuss Roda this suicide booth yeah. for me real quick. <laughs> um. So Paul blows up uh, the various parts with his voice gun. He wins because he's Paul. And, uh, and thank God they talk in their heads about how he's going to be a really good fighter after we mm-hmm. just watched him do all that shit. <laughs> yeah, he's really had to like, clarify it for us. Yeah, he's just like doing a bunch of like little front flips. And oh, just, yeah. Like, dodging. Like, uh, uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My God, I've never seen anything like it. He's just like doing like, this little god. Ah! Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't think that's the actual noise he makes, but that's what I. That's a hundred percent. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then uh, we we skip ahead to a little bit later, where Paul is walking through a hallway, uh, meets his his good pal Duncan, who's uh, going to Arrakis early. Boy, does Duncan get done dirty in this movie? Oh yeah. Uh, we just get like compared to like the the latest Dune movie. Duncan's just like. And he's like, hello, Paul. Goodbye, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's going to Arrakis to to do some uh, stuff for, for Duke Leto that we'll we'll figure out later. Uh, then Paul meets up with his his dad on the balcony. Uh, the balcony is kind of an interesting, too, because throughout the movie, you get just these wild interiors and, and like House Atreides is, is no exception here. There's there's all sorts of different rooms and stuff that, that are all very cool, but somewhat different looking and then when you go out on the balcony i'm just like oh we've just stepped out into a castle in scotland great <laughs> like it's uh it's it's a pretty uh a neat backdrop his dad is very proud of him uh talks about you know personal growth and that you know part of the reason they're going to arrakis is, is for some personal growth you know and the value of change and, uh, and he says the sleeper must awaken. And we'll hear that several, several, several times through mm-hmm. the movie. And um, after that nice little scene, Paul's asleep, having a sweaty dream about Arrakis. Johnny. And Johnny and Sting. Oh, yeah. Sting. The real star of this film. <laughs> let's be fair here. <laughs> For the lot of the film, he does not talk. No, he doesn't have to. No, he doesn't. He's just Sting. He's, He's just, just Sting. A lot of eyebrow work, though. Oh, <laughs> oh man, his his face work alone in this movie. You just you just watch his facial expressions, and you're like, I don't know what he's seeing, but I want to see what he's seeing. Yeah, yeah. We don't need Austin Butler. Let's just bring back Sting. <laughs> we oh yeah. My God. Um, <laughs> oh mama, oh yeah. mama, I'm, <laughs> I'm part of the Harkonnens there, mama. <laughs> 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 I, I'm not that clever, so I, th- I saw it as a meme, and I was just like, "That's fucking hilarious." Yeah, okay. You should have should have just taken credit. I would never sh- know. No man, I'd have just been like, "Wow, Gabby's so clever." I know, I am so clever. <laughs> so uh, we uh, leaving uh, Paul to, to his one of his many dreams. We uh, meet Jessica out for a walk in the rain uh, with one of the flying lo- light boat drones, and. Uh, she uh, she's going through kind of like a little courtyard. She opens a door uh, where she's met by the Reverend Mother that we met, uh, like the Emperor's assistant Reverend Mother, with her entourage, and uh, they're they're here to uh, to have a look at Paul. And back in the castle, the Reverend Mother is uh, really chewing out Jessica oh, for yeah. having a son instead of a daughter. Yeah, basically calling her her you know arrogant and and that. 
uh, Jessica's like, no, I, I, you know, I did it for love, kind of mm. thing. And so, yeah. Have you seen the Duke, Leo? the witch, and the audacity of this bitch? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you seen fucking Leto? He's daddy as fuck. Holy shit. Agree with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is. I think Oscar Isaacs out daddies him though. Really? Yeah. We'll put a poll. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Who who daddied better? Who who out daddied the daddy? Yeah. Um, but the reason why the Reverend Mother is so upset is that a a daughter could have been married to a Harkonnen son. Which is the grossest thing ever. Have you Once you meet the Harkonnens, yeah. certainly, yeah. Yeah. And unless it's Sting. You unless it's Sting, sting yeah. <laughs> Who is at least, like, a good-looking psychopath. Yeah. Um, and then that would have fixed the relationship between the two houses, basically. So it's a real, um, you know, Capulet-Montague situation for, for this. Um, I, mean, I mean, could this have been avoided if they allowed, like, gay marriage? Maybe. Maybe. Can we find some fan fiction between uh, Paul and Thade? I'm, oh, there, there absolutely <laughs> okay. is. Yeah. You're telling me there is. I don't. They didn't. They didn't do a good job of explaining this movie. But that he's like he's the antithesis to Paul because he's yes. the Harkonnens trying to also make the Kwisatz Haderach. Because mm. uh, I think we do have the little weird little chamber scene with him or whatever. But like, I don't think they ever are explicit about it in this movie. No, in this no. in this movie, they don't actually explain Thade and Rabin's relationship to the Baron at all. You get the sense that, yeah. like, th oh, that's, these are his kids, but they actually don't go into any detail about either of those two. So it's, uh, it, yeah. Um, one of the things we had to cut out so that we could have more internal monologue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we, five minutes into the movie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Paul, Paul is still having his dream at this point. He narrates it for us, which is really nice of him. And then he, he suddenly wakes up in kind of a start and then pretends to sleep because he can hear Jessica and the, the Reverend Mother, who who both at this point uh, slip into Paul's room and have a very animated whisper session, which I thought if you were trying to not wake him up, maybe just go anywhere else in the castle. But uh, such as such is the choices people make. And. They they kind of continue on this. Oh, like she she's gonna test him, kind of thing. And and you know Jessica's not okay with it, but she, she doesn't have any say here. And uh, the Reverend Mother knows that Paul is just pretending to get sleep, so he she uh, tells him to to wake up and and get ready, and that she wants to see him in fifteen minutes. And then uh, we get a a real heavy scene where Paul goes into some some big thinking. Uh, hear about all the things that we just heard. Uh, so he repeats those things for us. And uh, we get a very short scene here where Duke Leto is using his signet ring to uh, seal some kind of parchment in his office. We'll find out what that is in a little bit. Uh, he's attended by his space pug, which is great. Yeah, that dog pops up a couple more times that, and it fucking <laughs> made me laugh every time. Like, Watch, it, like, the pug actually be the traitor the whole time. Oh, my God. That would have been it's the dog from Men in Black. Yeah. <laughs> turns out... Turns hey, out, fuck uh, you! <laughs> the pug was just dyeing his hair. He, you, you see him, he walks through, like, a shower, and then he comes out, and he's a ginger. And you're just like, no, he was yeah. a Harkonnen pug. Ginger reverse mohawk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> uh. So now it's time for I think one of the most iconic scenes in in the Dune franchise, which is the what's in the uh, box? What's, what's in the, in box? the box? Pain. What's in the box, man? What's in the box? Uh, 
What's uh, in the box? <laughs> Paul arrives for the Reverend Mother's test, and uh, he he looks so very confused at the start of the scene. But Jessica basically tells him to behave, and then she she leaves, and uh, the Reverend Mother uh, uses the voice to uh, to try and get Paul to come over to her. And the voice is a, a thing that the uh, Bennett Gesserit uh, use. It's one of their powers. Basically, it's, again, one of these sound modulation things where they are able to compel uh, people to... Jedi mind trick. Yeah, Jedi, Jedi mind, mind trick. trick. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Thank you. Yeah. It's that. And um, um, Paul has also been practicing as well, mm-hmm. but probably not at this moment at the same level as uh, any of the Benny Gesserit. Yeah. And uh, so the first time, you know, it doesn't work because Paul is strong-willed, uh, but then she she does it harder, and then this uh, he, he can't resist. And uh, so now it's 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 box time, and so she she shows him the box. Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? Pain. And uh, as he's kind of looking at the box, she uh, she puts her her hand on his shoulder, and she's got a a, a little needle on her finger. Uh, is it the Gamjabar? Yeah. I love that thing I so was, much. I was fraught. I was like, Gamjabar. I was <laughs> yeah. so excited for this scene. Unreasonably so. I don't yeah. know what it is about that, but I fucking love a Gamjabar. I yeah. desperately want one. Um, <laughs> so you can poison your enemies? Yeah. Look, it only kills animals, Gabby. <laughs> so, like, whenever Josh and I step out of line... <laughs> You're like, put your hand. Who in the wants box. to talk <laughs> about puke now? Who's yeah. going to tell a puke story? Yeah. Uh, so she, uh, the 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 gist is, uh, the box is going to do some real bad things to his hand, and if he removes his hand from the box, she's going to kill him with the Gomjabar because then uh, he would be an animal because then he can't control his, his base instincts. The main, the other reason why there's no men in the Benny Jesser because they think of like the hole in the box, they just automatically want to stick their <laughs> penis in it. I, yeah, well, the first the first time anyone did the test, they just assumed, yeah. and then and the word got around, and then it was an all female organization. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man, I tried joining the Betty Jesserets, but they made me put my penis in the box. Dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Reverend was like, "We didn't make you do anything <laughs> yeah. with it. <laughs> you did that on your own." Uh, so he he does put his hand in, and um, she <laughs> she narrates the pain here which i thought was a, a wonderful choice and actually made it seem more awful to me right yeah. because we we get some scenes that that kind of show us like how paul how, how his hand feels like how he's imagining mm-hmm. what is happening to his hand and it's it's basically like it's it's kind of bursting into yeah, flames like acid, and there's like bubbling, acid yeah, bubbling yeah. and all sorts of grossness yeah. and she's she's narrating it with such pleasure right like it's yeah. just like oh it's an itch that turns into a burn and then it's just yeah yeah uh, so she's she's having a time with this but uh, he he does the pain mantra that uh, Gabby gave us in the beginning here. Yeah. And fear is the orgasm. Yeah. yeah. And, we, and then we get Paul's O face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the Reverend Mother's O face, which mm-hmm. is like, enough. Yeah. She, she's way, way too into it. And uh, so afterwards, she tells him to break, take his hand out of the box. It's fine because it was all nerve pain. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't real pain. And then she, uh, she gives him a little bit of exposition here. She tells him of the water of life. Uh, which also comes from Arrakis. And uh, she tells him of there's a place uh, that is terrifying to women uh, that many men have tried to go to and died. 
That's like the Quitsat Hatterach that yeah. sort of deal. Like, um, yeah, the, she, it's basically kind of the next steps in the process of, of becoming this messiah. Yeah. Um, where it's like the shortening of the way where mm-hmm. it's just like the unknown for which they sought a genetic solution. A male Benny Jessert whose organic mental powers would bridge space and time. I'm also reading again from the terminology of the Imperium, which is the back of Dune. Excellent. <laughs> um so at the end of the scene paul uh paul tries to to ask you know well what's what's going on with with my father because she uh jessica you know comes back in she's relieved to see all and then um the the reverend mother is just like well you know we'll uh we'll do what we can for the boy the father's fate is sealed something to that effect yeah they and, they always uh, they keep saying like throughout this that uh Duke Leto is just already dead. Oh yeah, he's he's toast. Yeah, um, which also going back to the uh, last podcast on the left, Dune breakdown. They said that uh, Duke Leto is like a JFK, where he's like just the most killed man. <laughs> you look at him, you know he's gonna get his head blown off <laughs> in the back of a <laughs> convertible. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's the, the loving. You know, the the loving father figure who, you know, is 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 he's doing it for good. Mm-hmm. You know? All the right reasons. He, yeah, he's like he's like this like uh, democratic socialist political figure in South America. You know that the oh, Americans yeah. are going to assassinate him and then put mm-hmm. like a Harkonnen. Yeah. In charge. Now we go to uh, Giddy Prime, which is the uh, land of the Harkonnens. Uh, where giant heads belch smoke into a blackened sky. Giant cherub-like heads. Yeah, cherub-like heads, Very, that's true. Uh, like, fat face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird fish. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> upward gulping motion. Yeah. yeah. Everything's a beautiful shade of gray with some ominous green lights. It's a, a real nice place. And um, so the Harkonnen's Mentat, their their personal computer, uh, Peter. Which is played by Bradley Dorff, which is... The most amazing man ever. Brad Dourif's great. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. He did a good job in this, too. Oh, yeah. I really liked him. Yeah. So he's he's doing another mantra uh, while having a little drink to get his mind up to speed. And he's riding on this kind of gondola-esque transport uh, that parks up to the Baron's palace, basically. And so now we got to meet the most powerful gingers in the galaxy, which are the, the Harkonnen family. And um, we kind of enter this this green room. I don't know how to say it any other way, but it's it's got green walls. It's otherwise like it's it doesn't feel like a throne room. It's more of like almost a medical. I was gonna say it room. looks like a place where you get dental surgery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it is it's wild. Um, the the next little bit has a surprising amount of body horror to it. As well, because we see like a lot of the Baron's assistants have parts of their their bodies sewn shut. So there's one that's had his ears uh, sewn like on into themselves, basically. I love the one with the eyes sewn shut. Yeah. And they have two little black straws to like look at. That was my favorite one. Yeah. And uh, so the the Baron is here with his personal doctor and he's kind of... the best way I can describe that is is having boils lanced or something disgustingly similar to that because he he's his half of his face is covered in these pustules, um, and he's he's having his doctor has this kind of 
metal needle-esque thing that he he kind of either pops them with or, or gets rid of the, the goop in them. It's real gross. Gotta get the goop. Gotta get the, the goop. goop. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's on about like how beautiful he is and oh, that yeah, his the diseases will really be lovingly it. cared for yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's all pretty fucking weird and gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all the Harkonnens are, like, kind of dumpy. Like, besides Sting, like, they're all, yeah. like, dumpy weirdos. So I kind of find it hard to take them, like... They're, it's hard for them to be threatening, mm. aside from the Baron. And, I mean, they obviously they show us here why he's, like, extra gross and weird. Yeah, but. I think because he's, like, mainly, uh, I guess, an image of decadence. Like, an overindulgence of greed. Mm. You get really into it. But. Yeah. No, the... Um, so the the Mentant Peter is uh, delivering a response from Duke Leto. So this is where we see the uh, that kind of scroll again, uh, basically just saying that uh, Duke Leto has no interest in meeting you uh, and thinks you're gross and awful. And uh, Baron Harkonnen, he doesn't like the response, but doesn't seem to be particularly surprised by it. But he doesn't even open the letter. He just throws it in a bubbling vat that exists in the room. It's like their garbage can. It seems to be <laughs> yeah. like a yeah. common thing to yeah. throw shit into. Uh, so, and we get uh, an, another assistant enters the room, kind of under guard, and uh, just it's just a, a, it's this a young little boy. Yeah, he's a he's a little boy, um, and uh, he's just changing some flowers that are on kind of a far table, and uh, the barons the barons eyeing him up in a way that. Makes this everyone in a see-through plastic shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so now the uh, the Baron goes into detail about his evil plot. Basically, they they have control of someone close to Duke Leto, uh, that's going to betray him and help the Harkonnens destroy House Atreides. And this is where we see uh, the the Duke's two sons. We meet. Uh, I thought they were his nephews. Oh, sorry, yeah. his nephews. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Reben. And Thade. Uh, Rebin looks a lot more like uh, the Baron. Um, Thade is is Sting, who always looks coked out of his head <laughs> in every scene in this movie. And it's the, it's the greatest was. thing you will see. I don't know probably. much about see, Sting's... Yeah. Uh... But he, he always just seems like he's amazed at all of his surroundings at all times. It's beautiful. Mm. Uh, so Sting wants to know, you know, who is the traitor, but the Baron's not telling and uh, the the Baron gets uh, real excited here because he, he's he's worked himself up now about all of this murder he's going to do. Uh, and he activates his his little floaty onesie that he's always in. Yes, which I want. Oh, God. Wouldn't it's it be cool? graph onesie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he, uh, he hovers around the room. Uh, it, it looks like he's having the greatest time. So I, I really yeah. can't I can't say anything negative about it. The uh, the Baron has a, a quick oil shower. That is kind of built into the ceiling. At least it looks like oil. It's just kind of a black liquid, viscous liquid. And then he uh, he comes over to the poor kid that's changing the flowers and like comes up to him and uh, pulls out a tab on his heart uh, that kills him and then just kind of like holds him while he dies. Yeah. Uh, so the the heart tabs will come back later. Apparently, it is a kind of a mandatory thing when you are in service of the Harkonnens that you have a, a little tab on your heart for for quick and ease of, of murder or like bloodletting and stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's, do you think this is what happened on Epstein Island? 
Like, no, I think it's closer to what happens in the book, and that's that he rapes a bunch of these guys because yeah. they remind him of Paul. Yeah. Right. As grim yeah. as that is, but yeah. it's just like, you imagine, like, uh, Baron Harkonnen's just on the logs. <laughs> and the number of, like, boy murders. Oh, hey, no. Hawking, watch this. <laughs> yeah. cool. oh. All right. I'm sorry. I took All it right. there. Well, um, the, the last shot we get in, in this scene is, is Sting... Uh, just looking like he's tripping so hard while he watches the Baron <laughs> murder this kid. Uh, we go back to Caladan, where the Duke and his family are, are getting ready to take off uh, for Arrakis. They've got a uh, flying saucer-like ships that are bringing them to kind of a giant cigar-shaped spaceship. Uh, the, the larger ship is, is kind of the navigator's vessel that's going to fold space and, and bring them to Arrakis. Uh, it's preposterously large when you see it next to like the, the transport ships. Paul gives us some more beautiful internal narration about uh, what's about to go down here. And then we get uh, some fun shots of the inside of the ship. We see a little uh, navigator. He looks a little bit like a narwhal fetus <laughs> without the like the horn. And he's he's glowing around and he pukes out energy that causes a rift between two planets. It's wild how they try and visualize space folding yeah yeah it's yeah and especially with so many up close shots of the weird navigator alien i was like is he pooping out the light there is oh no he's throwing it like i was gonna say are you like traveling through the worms like butthole yeah that's right yeah (laughs) Yeah, we got we got a human centipede ourselves (laughs) but uh, i love the shots of uh again sort of these like composite model shots of them at the base mm. of the ship that they get mm. on, which to them is huge. And then we see kind of hundreds of these ships all going inside of the cylinders, you said, so that it is, yeah, impossibly huge. But the part when Paul and the Duke and Jessica are, we just see them from behind and they're walking up and then they turn around on the steps to address everybody. And the Duke is holding that fucking hug. <laughs> I burst out laughing. I was not expecting oh him God. to be holding the dog. Yeah. And I thought that <laughs> shit was so funny. Uh, and then they have the dog like in the, cockpit with them when they're going but this was one of those moments that what i mentioned earlier where i was like sometimes the movie is slow and it's good Mm. and when it's sort of taking its time showing us the scale of this and the Mm. and the effects in space and the models and all this stuff looks great and showing us how space travel works i i thought that was a really good use of time great visuals and i I liked all of that but yeah very silly (laughs) dog shot (laughs) i know uh we will get one more silly dog shot there's gonna be the a end. lot I, I feel like there's um, gonna be a lot more silly dog there, shot there's the, the one the one coming up with gurney is is particularly <laughs> fantastic so we yeah we we get the fun little effects that that show us the the folding of space and then our uh, our cigar ship fades in hovering over the desert planet of arrakis Ooh. and when we come back from the break the atreides will arrive on arrakis and uh, there's going to be a lot more dreams and head talking. I so feel like we're only tuned. like 20 minutes it's in. It's preposterously small how far into this movie we are. Jesus. Father! Dungeons and Dragons, Vampire the Masquerade, Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, and a hundred more besides. Whatever role-playing universe you like to play or run games in, The desire is always there to become a better player or run a better game. Welcome to Playing the Role, a show dedicated to exploring the art of role-playing in the hopes of building better players and better games. 
Join me, Nathan Stone, a longtime game master. They still, every time I run a game, will do something that my eyes kind of go wide and I'm just like, okay, that's a choice you made and now I have to deal with that choice. Thank you, thank you for that. And my friends, Darcy Robinson. And so I ended up being a centaur that abandoned his post to run away from this life and got captured by these goblins. Did you have to give them centaur pony rides? Yes. And Dylan Campbell. I love being challenged, trying to get one under me. I love that. Yes, please, try, because I think I got all my bases covered. You can't get to me. I'm a, I'm a fortress. <laughs> Who also happen to be longtime game masters, as we talk about everything that goes into making great games, the things you should never, ever do, and how to take your gaming experience to the next level. We've been doing this for a long time, so there's plenty of stories to tell of great gaming moments, disasters averted, or just plain old disasters. Each episode ends with a challenge, a call out to us and to you to work our role-playing muscles by designing a character, NPC, or location within a certain theme. And of course, we share the results on the show. We hope you'll join our quest to become better players and run better games here on Playing the Role. Available on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's time. The sleeper awakens. <laughs> well, we're awakening to like the, the second half of the movie now because yeah. a lot of buildup. But now it, it is a lot of buildup, but it will be worth it because now we're on Arrakis and things are going to start to to move along at a clip here. And then by the end, we'll be screaming slow down and the movie will not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the latter half of this movie is relentless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like we're speed running Dune. Yeah. Because they're probably just like, um, Mr. Mr. Lynch, um, <laughs> no, you, you're like a good like um, into this movie. Like you're like a good hour in, but uh, we don't have a enough budget to make it three hours so you gotta <laughs> yeah, yeah rain it back we can't lynch him on this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i remember a buddy of mine watched ball holden drive and he was like jesus christ i just got lynched <laughs> 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 holy fuck <laughs> all right uh to to announce the 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 coming here we see a uh the fremen uh who we will meet shortly they're uh Bennett Jesserit, uh states that the chosen one is here. So, so she is uh, she's having basically a vision of Paul's arrival. Um, we get uh, a little bit more exposition by the princess, who's saying uh, that the Harkonnens left a bunch of suicide troops and, and traps behind for uh, for the Atreides. Um, and then we go into the palace on Arrakis. Uh, Duke Leto meets with Duncan. And uh, Duncan, as we, we know from his short scene, went to Arrakis early and he's been palling around with the Fremen, who are kind of the the indigenous people of uh, Arrakis. And uh, he says that actually they're really cool. Uh, they're awesome fighters. They're just he's basically they're just the allies we need. They're the ones we've been looking for and they're super cool and I like them. And uh we get some shots of uh, things getting set up for for their new home. So the the army is going around um, checking stuff out. Thorfer is not being happy that 
the shield is taking so long to to raise. Uh, the shield protects kind of the the capital and its its surroundings uh, from any kind of space borne assault, which will be important very shortly. And uh, they've they've found some sabotage devices. Uh, Leto and and Paul meet up with Doctor Kynes, uh, who's in charge of it's called the changeover, but basically. The, the 2020 movie goes into this a lot in, in a lot more detail, but uh, Kynes is, is basically there to make sure that everything goes smoothly in the changeover between houses. It's also a, uh, a doctor that kind of has spent a lot of time a lo- among the Fremen and, and kind of adopted their ways and uh, knows a lot about Arrakis. And uh, so they're going to go out and now inspect the harvesters so the harvesters are the the things out in the desert that harvest the spice and bring it back and then they send the spice out to the rest of the empire and uh they've got in the 2020 movie and i think in the book is it called an ornithopter yeah 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 uh what it is in our movie however is kind of like a like a more star trek shuttle yeah yeah like more of a shuttle kind of thing doesn't but it's, have it's any bright like, gold for whatever yeah. reason yeah. It doesn't have a, moving the ornithopter is yeah. also like called a thopter thopter okay yeah, yeah. um so. we, we get a bit more of like paul like references to paul definitely being the chosen one oh my they God, really yeah. beat you over the head with it yeah. from the beginning because yeah, yeah he he no had, mystery he had really put either. on his still suit correctly mm-hmm. in a which, way that he hadn't been shown yeah desert style yeah, yeah. <laughs> which the still suits are like obviously like very useful and stuff like that but they sound so fucking disgusting because like you have like all of like your sweat mm-hmm. your piss and your yep. shit yeah like it's sort of filtered and turned into water that yeah. you can drink mm. and honestly i'm like no i'm, I'm good <laughs> just like i'll just i'll just not drink water it's yeah fine. yeah i'll just die <laughs> i don't know i mean i'm pretty sure yeah like five minutes in i'm like give yeah. me the suit yeah <laughs> There'd be weirdos who like fuck with it, so like you'd be watching them take a sip, and it's the tube is yellow. No, well, that's like no. all. The, there's like so many influencers no. that are so into that. They're like put like they like what? put piss on themselves. Yeah, what like rub it into their skin. Like, influencers. Yeah, really? like yeah, like, like yeah. There's like, like these, there's wellness in, there's wellness like influencers. Oh, okay. There's wellness, wellness influencers. influencers, and they seem to be mostly men, but they're all into like drinking piss and like smearing it on themselves. Oh no. Yeah. See, like I back in my day, it was basically Bear Grylls. He was the only one that was really into it, and then now well, it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Man. Bear Grylls just like he was like, yeah, it's for it's for survival, okay? It's for survival. And then you just see him like in the back of it just chugging his own piss. <laughs> oh yeah, no. It, it's definitely like a Quentin Tarantino thing where it's yeah. like, Do we need this many shots of feet? No. Do you need to drink tequila <laughs> off of Salma Hayek's feet? No. No. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> <sighs> and <laughs> They, uh, yeah, so they, they head out. So it's, it's Paul, uh, Leto, Gurney and, and Dr. Kynes. They go out on this little excursion to just kind of buzz around the harvesters and see how the whole operation works. And they said like, um, they're like going on with like different degrees. Like it's 300 degrees Kelvin. And I'm like, that's a very warm color temperature. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know science. (laughs) 
that they uh they they yeah they they fly around the desert. Paul's very excited to to see a worm. And uh, Paul also knows that uh, Kynes isn't telling them everything because Paul's got a little bit of, of the, the Bene Gesserit kind of feelings that, that he, he knows things. Uh, proverbial side eye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then we get a, a little scene with Dr. Huey in uh, their, their kind of medical lab. And he's checking out bodies. Um, and these are bodies of, of Harkonnen, probably the, the suicide troops left behind. And uh, there's a secret message for him in one. And do you feel that you needed him to tell you that that was a secret message? Or did his body <laughs> language maybe you give know, that away? Honestly, I, I think without the detailed internal monologue, I I would have been completely lost. I would have just... I Honestly, I don't know how I've watched any other movies to this <laughs> point, quite frankly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Thorfer comes in and, and almost kind of catches him. Uh, looking at this, but uh, Huey kind of slides his little scanner away, and and Thorfinn's just like, "Are you okay?" And Huey's just like, "Yes, I am fine. Everything is fine here. How are you?" Kind of deal. Not suspicious. Yeah, you think like a mentad who is like supposed to be like the superhuman computer. Mm. But maybe he's notice. not good at his emotions because he's a superhuman computer. So he's I'm, just like, "Oh, okay." I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh, we think he's autistic. <laughs> 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 is this what we're doing? It's like fucking the new Predator movie where autism's a superpower. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I missed that. Oh, wait, is this a recent Predator movie or? Yeah, not oh, the yeah. newest one. I shouldn't say oh, the newest okay. one was Prey, but yeah. the Predator is about how autism's a superpower Super. and the Predators want it bred into them. Huh. Wow. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we love our. <laughs> autistic listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, um, now back back on the uh, in the, the the little shuttle, uh, they notice an incoming worm uh, that that's going towards the the carrier or sorry, the worm harvester sign. that they're. Uh, we got worms. Yeah, we got worm sign here. <laughs> worms. And uh, worm. so they. <laughs> worm. worm. Oh my god, worm. worms. Worm. Yeah. Worm. worm. They radio to the nearest spice harvester. And uh, I at this point, we, we get to kind of see the harvesters properly and, and like their little attendant vehicles. And I got to say, I love the little models that they used for these things. They're adorable. They're kind of like like beetles almost in, in this one. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they kinds kind of tells them what the protocol is here. Basically, they've they radio in about the, the worm. And so the the harvesters will keep working until the last minute before the worm shows up and then they have uh large flying ships called carryalls that will come pick up the harvester and kind of hover with them and then the worm obviously does its thing and then once the worm leaves they put them back down to continue harvesting uh unfortunately though the carryall that they were going to use for this harvester has been sabotaged by the harkonnens so it, it's not responding and uh, that's when we get our, our great guy all around, Softy. Uh, Duke Leto decides that their little ship is going to pick up the crew. So they they land and Leto uh, opens the hatch and kind of yells at the crew to get on board. Also, like when they're talking with like uh, one of the crew members inside the harvester, it's David Lynch. Doing his oh, little was that? That's funny. I didn't doing notice. his little director. He's like, uh, yeah, uh, we've got a... Spice here. I can't do Game <laughs> Clinch, but you, you you know his voice when you hear it. Nice. 
And uh, so the as the crew are, are getting in, Paul gets his first hit of that good spice. Spice. Pure, unrefined spice. And good, good stuff. Yeah. He uh, he is he is from from that first moment he is hooked like yeah. he is into it. Do you think like spice is like a gateway drug to like cinnamon or something? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gonna hit this cardamom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. Spice menage. Do you think they have posters that's just like like this is your brain? This, this is your brain, brain on, on spice, spice, and it's just a navigator, and yeah. he's just like <laughs> <laughs> wide-eyed, freaking out. Yeah. Any questions? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. Um, so we also get our, our first look at the worms here and the the worms are great i i really enjoy the worm, worm models worm, worm, in this model worm, or in this worm, movie worm, uh <laughs> worm. and uh so they take off and, and have to watch as as a giant worm eats up the harvester and the worms in this movie are ridiculous the scale of them is is wild because it it just kind of picks up the harvester and it's it's got like the three pronged mouth so it's not like the baleen mouth that you'd see in the new movie it's it's more of like a like a three-pronged opening and it just it just crushes it and then uh just like goes away and uh kinds uh at the end here has a nice little internal monologue about how much he likes this new duke which is great maybe don't get too attached <laughs> and back at the palace in arrakis uh we get some soldiers moving shit around while we get some light drones flying by i love that they brought the light drones to arrakis like that was one of the things they made sure they packed yeah uh jessica is choosing a housemaid uh she's there there's a bunch of kind of applicants i guess uh huey thinks that the harkonnens might have like tampered with them medically so he's got this this huge ass scanner gun uh that he's gonna i guess hit him with uh jessica does a a little feelings reading and um and wants to to know why Huey hates the Harkonnens because she's she mentions Harkonnens and and he's all like he gets all tight about it, mm-hmm. um, and he, Huey just can't talk about it. And she's like, oh well, he's hiding something, but you know what? He's had the Imperial conditioning, so she trusts him implicitly. It's a bad idea. The movie will not explain the Imperial conditioning, but basically the it's the medical college uh, in the Imperium does this so that when it provides um doctors for the 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 noble families the houses they can be assured that no one has has messed with them they can they can trust their doctors uh they have a little sign on their forehead which is just a little red uh diamond that says that they have undergone this and as as we'll soon see that it's not quite as uh foolproof as you you might think and uh in the the crowd of of would be handmaidens, there's a, a, a you see a small woman, small older woman, uh, having a little internal monologue about warning Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, God, this movie is so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I love, no, 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 like I love this movie. It's it's one of my favorites of all time. And I think before we ended the last episode, I gave you my hot take that this is better than like nine of ten Star Wars movies. Yeah. And now that I have to explain it to an audience. I'm having trouble. You're like, no, it's good. I, it's I good. promise. I, I swear, so good. I swear it's so good. good. I think there's a scene in around here where uh, Paul just like finds some spice and he's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to fucking eat this. Yeah. I don't it's know. one of the next I, scenes. Yeah. Yeah. 
ostensibly gasoline. I'm just going to fucking eat it. Well, it's like, basically, it's like the fuel. It's the um, the food. It's in the food. Yeah. It's like in the drugs. It's almost like corn syrup. <laughs> it's high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> just, so that's why yeah. it's so slurm, addictive. Straight slurm. Yeah. Straight yeah. slurm, yeah. <laughs> this is why it's so, like, addictive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> it's way so Yeah. So we, we head back to Paul. Uh, in his bedroom, and, and like you say, Josh, he's already a junkie. He's he just helps himself to like a little packet of spice that he eats. Um, it's like dip. Yeah, yeah. He's he's having a, he's having a bit of a trip already. Uh, a, a little post on his bed opens, and this is this is kind of on his headboard of his bed. It's like a little like glory hole. It is, yeah. <laughs> but for like assassination, <laughs> just the Baron's like diseased boiled cock starts like coming through. It's like, mm. <laughs> Chris Hansen comes in. Why don't you have a seat? Joe, yeah. <laughs> 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 aren't you aware yeah. that Paul is fifteen years old? It'd be a surprise to Paul too. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you bring a bunch of uh, crush your own bug juice boxes to serve to a child? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I hate that scene so much. Come and, we'll come to that. Uh, so yeah, it, it opens to reveal a hunter seeker. So this is kind of a flying syringe or hovering syringe that just kind of very slowly makes its way around the room. Apparently, luckily, it's dark in the room, which this is one of those times where the internal monologue is 100% necessary because that room is fully lit. Yeah. Like so many of the great films we do here, we have to be told that it is dark and yeah. that he cannot see. Uh, but luckily, it is dark and, and uh, it can't see him. So as long as he doesn't move, much like a uh, Tyrannosaurus, its vision is based on movement. And... So it flies around and it flies up to his head and it's just like, mm, no, no Paul here. And so it flies off and it's about to go back into the wall. Uh, when when the, the housemaid that we saw just uh, last scene, uh, she opens the door, which firstly, this is a 15 year old boy. Please knock. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I would feel like any 15 year old boy would have the door locked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, don't come in. Don't come in. I'm studying. I'm Studying. Yeah. <laughs> wow, my boy's really studious. He's been studying all this time. Yeah. Study so many times a day. It's wild. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, the sleeper awakens. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. And Paul just keeps yelling that. I don't know that <laughs> sleeper meaning his penis awakens. Yeah. Uh, so the the, <laughs> the hunter seeker flies uh, at the uh, the housemaid. But Paul uh, catches it in midair and slams it into the wall, and uh, she he saves her life. And she's a Fremen, and she... Uh, she shout out Napes. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to throw a little shout out out there. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to shout out Napes there, baby. She, uh, she tells him that, that they know that there's a traitor in their midst. Fuck it. There are no secrets in this galaxy, no. by the way. <laughs> Everyone knows everyone's business. It's like At a Shakespeare times. play. Like, yeah, everyone really knows like, everything. Everyone's explaining themselves constantly. Mm -hmm. It's like it, it, I mean, a lot of it works more like a play. Yeah, the way That's of like really having good point. to explain yeah. the lighting, having to like everyone's explaining themselves and and explaining what just happened. And, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> so, 
yeah, she she gives him that little bit of exposition, and then we go to basically the whole palace on alert, troops running everywhere. They uh, find a dead Harkonnen with a bunch of kit, including some more hunter seekers. And then we go to Leto, who is upset, obviously. Uh, Therefore, does some Mentat stuff into like a microphone while a, a like a yellow light flashes at him. And then he tells him that the palace is secure and that uh, nothing can get them while the shield is up. Uh, we get like a second transition of the Harkin uh, fleet in transit to Arrakis. And then we get our betrayal, our, our something that we could never have seen coming. No buildup whatsoever. Wild mm. that the movie hits us with this. Uh, Huey comes down to the uh, shield generator. Then uh, Leto uh, checks on a sleeping Paul who's having a, a sweet vision dream because of all the spice he took. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leto tripping <laughs> mad ball. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is uh, he is just exploring Arrakis in his mind. Leto uh, does some internal monologuing about how he should have married Jessica as he, he leaves and he goes down the stairwell. Uh, and then easily the dumbest thing that he does in this movie is he goes to check out alone. Uh, clearly the sound of someone dying. Yeah. Cause he goes, he goes like down like another, like a dark hallway and you would think he'd be calling the guards being like, that that is exactly what he should be doing. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't. So, uh, he gets shot by Huey who has, uh, sabotaged the shield generators and the weirding modules, which is what they call their their sound guns. Mm-hmm. He, it, it was just like, wow, why? Why'd you do it? And Huey uh, basically gives him a little bit of, oh, the, the Harkonnens killed my wife. Uh, you're going to be my revenge. Uh, they Basically, the Harkonnens broke his conditioning, but part of that like warped his mind as well, that he's he's obsessed with getting revenge on the Baron. So he is, even though, and this is again, going back to the theme of, of everyone in the galaxy, knowing Leto, Leto is a dead man. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's just like, you're already dead. So you're going to do this for me. What he does is, uh, he pulls out one of Leto's tooth teeth with a, a little, I don't know, screwdriver esque type of thing, or like a, I don't know, just covers the tooth, rips it out. And uh, then he, he replaces it with a... Uh, a just poison. jams the new one in there, <laughs> yeah. too, which I love. Real, real rough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's how teeth work, right? You just oh, yeah. you, you take them out when they're bad, and you just stick a new one in there. Yeah. Pass um, me those chiclets. <laughs> this is like vengeful tooth, or like it's like an angry dentist. Yeah, exactly. So he, in return for, for basically killing the Baron for him, Huey promises to get Jessica and Paul out safely uh, of the uh what's what's about to happen and so that's that's when i think uh leto uh kind of because he, he's he's losing consciousness uh but uh, he takes the duke's signet ring and he keeps repeating remember the tooth <laughs> the tooth <laughs> will set you free <laughs> and uh we get uh, a scene where the soldiers of, of House Atreides notice that the, the shield's down. They go on high alert. They try to get uh, to their ships. But uh, it's too late. The Harkonnens have arrived and they begin bombing the palace and, and destroying all of their uh, their transports and their fighters. 
guys run just everywhere all around the the castle we we do see space pug in danger here he's just kind of in a hallway looking confused um lots of explosions we get some great shots of kind of the the outside of the palace like the models there and stuff blowing up like crazy uh harkonnen troops land they're kind of fun they're so the atreides are very kind of generic military european military style uh, the Harkonnens are all dudes in black hazmat suits with glowing yeah. green visors and miniguns. They're wild. <laughs> we get kind of a last stand of House Atreides led by Gurney, who who cradles Space Pug it's as like he, a he leads a desperate, pug. <laughs> a desperate breakout from the palace. It's so good, too, because he's... Uh, he, he's just doing this rally it's cry of also, long live Duke Leto, but he's got the pug like, like this. <laughs> yeah. and... I feel it's also not going to be the last time we're going to see tactical pug. So do we do we get one more tactical pug? We do. Uh, before the end? Oh good. Jessica and Paul uh have been drugged. So when they when we went to bed, they uh they only wake up now kind of after the palace has fallen. And uh the the baron is is hovering over her and Paul. And she's she's been gagged because they know she's got the voice. And uh he the Baron cannot wait to tell them all about Dr. Huey and, and kind of how he was. It was it was Huey all along kind of thing. It's a real uh, it's a real it was me Austin moment for him. And uh, we we do see Huey, though, crying in, in kind of like a, a closet or a cell or something nearby. That's why I started to feel like a little bit bad for him. Like, yes, he did betray them mm. but, you know, he wanted to save his wife. And I mean, once when you when you go into the book and like you get kind of more of like the down low on the Harkonnens because you get you get a sense of how awful they are in this movie. But it's it's really like beyond body horror stuff that they do. Uh, so it's in the book. I, I do think it's it's probably even a little bit more understandable Then uh, the Baron because um, he has to do something creepy in every scene he's in. Um, he kind of he spits on Jessica's face. Which is um, disgusting. He also is like, I want to spit on your face, just a little spittle. <laughs> just like a little it's, spittle. Oh, it's it's yeah. He's, he's he's really good at it. He's making it sound like he's like this like dude that's like being like, come on, baby, come on, it would be nice, you know, we try something new in the bedroom. Like, come on, please, 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 like just right in the middle of like the. It's act. not disrespectful. I respect but... you so much. Maybe <laughs> like just do it for me. And then meanwhile, uh. Thade is elsewhere in the palace and he's standing over Duke Leto uh, and he's just like, I wish this was Paul. <laughs> I literally wrote down, I wish this was Paul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does he say that? He or? does say it. Yeah, okay. He, uh, he, he internal uh, monologue. I knew he wanted it to be. But yeah, yeah. Okay. He did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the, the Harkonnen mentat uh, Peter, um, he's, he's in with the Baron um, and, and basically the, the, the Baron tells the, the plan with Paul and Jessica is to take them out into the desert and basically let the worms eat them. Yeah. And, uh, Peter seems to have some kind of thing fast fascination with Jessica. Cause he's just like, he kind of, he, he, he does this whole thing where, uh, he's, he's kind of like sad that, that, you know, he can't kind of take his time with her and, and yeah. stuff. And that's, Be yeah. real creepy. Be real creepy. We get a little bit more of the battle continuing outside. Um, then uh, Peter tells uh, Rebin, uh, the, 
or it may not be Revan, it might just be another Harkonnen that looks all the same, uh, about the, the plan to feed them to the worms. We do get like five seconds of, of what could have been a rescue scene here with Duncan and some oh, soldiers yeah. in the palace. Oh, looking at for first the Duke's I was family. like, yeah, man, Duncan to the rescue. Yeah. And then he just, nothing bad ever happens <laughs> to Duncan, Duncan. Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which like in the 2020 movie, like in comparison, um, you, you get like, you see more of Duncan. Oh yeah. Cause he's... he, cause he got like that charming Jason Momoa mm-hmm. as like Duncan. But then, I like I was like oh, okay cool, uh we see Duncan but then it's like okay, hi Duncan bye Duncan yeah oh look it's Duncan yeah no. oh boy yeah oh I was like guess he's not coming back for the sequel spoiler alert he does and yeah. dies yeah. a lot of times yeah, <laughs> yeah. over there and are, over again. there are a lot of Duncans yeah. in in the Dune universe <laughs> in the Dune universe in the Dune universe yeah <laughs> he. Uh, he he basically uh, comes across a, a bunch of Harkonnen soldiers, activates his shield and shield tackles them, which kind of knock them all down uh, and then promptly gets shot in the head by just another rando uh, Harkonnen yeah. soldier. And that's that's the end of him. Uh, and, but it's, of course, while uh, while Paul is being, you know, taken away on his his stretcher thing that they've got him tied to so he's you know we get that that duncan yeah you know scene there um because you know we got to know duncan so much in this movie and it's it really oh yeah it really pulls on your heartstrings exactly all right then uh baron harkonnen meets with huey and asks him if he would like to join his wife what an interesting choice of words that is mm-hmm. uh huey uh, takes that to mean she's still alive uh, this is incorrect and then he is literally stabbed in the back by uh, Peter. And outside, a Harkonnen shuttle flies off with Paul and Jessica into the desert. Jessica notices that uh, Yui has left them some supplies in the shuttle. So as they're they're flying away, the, the co-pilots, there, there's two kind of Harkonnen pilots. The co-pilot uh, starts getting a little handsy with, with Jessica Paul kind of wakes up at this point and, and tries to use the voice to control the crewman. And like he he kind of does like a weird voice, but it's not the right one. So the, no. the, the crewman uh, kind of hits him with a, his, his mini gun and, and knocks him over. Um, the, the, then the crewman leaves his seat and uh, is planning. It seems to get a little bit rapey up in here. Uh, I wish you had to do like the putting like one finger to your ear vocal exercises to find <laughs> yeah, where it's like, it. Oh, it's like, buddy, so, I'm gonna get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just like his voice, uh, like going through uh, different auto tunes. It's like <laughs> do re si fa. Yeah, hold on, guys. I'll get it. I'll get it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Does have a tuning fork? He pulls it out. Uh, so he, the, the crewman starts fondling her knee real hard, which is a choice, I guess, whatever you're into. The sexiest part of a woman. Exactly. Uh, Paul then, uh, you know, he, he taps deep down in and and uses the voice, uh, properly this time to get the crewman to remove Jessica's gag. And then Jessica, of course, is old, old hat with, with the voice. And so she, she's just like, oh no, don't fight over me. Uh, which the crewman's just like, okay. And then just does the opposite because I guess he got the, the 
interpretation because it's not a literal command well i guess it is a literal command thing if you want it to be but it's also a figurative command thing if you want it to be the voice is cool it just does things and so he he stabs his buddy with a poison dagger who immediately dies uh then frees paul who kicks him to death paul springs up uh to pilot the ship but it clips uh, a mountain because it hit its course takes it through like two very narrow sides of a cannon and it, it loses a wing. Uh, we head back with uh, to the, the Baron with uh, Pieter and uh, Duke Leto. And the Baron is it's just super into the ring, but it's missing and he wants to know where it is. Um, Peter's just like, oh, he wasn't with him. I don't know. And uh, Leto comes around. Baron doesn't know what crying means. He's like, why is he crying? I, I don't know. Why do you think he might have reason to cry? Yeah. Those, those why, is, en- why is the Duke being a little bitch? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on, man. It's not like I just, you know, decimated your entire house and, yeah. like, you killed, theoretically killed your... Yeah, everyone you've you, ever like, loved. Yeah. yeah. Your son oh. and your, your love. Mm-hmm. Leto, uh, he's he's just kind of coming around as as the Baron is kind of obsessing over the ring and stuff, and uh, Peter is is hovering over him, but in his state, Leto mistakes him for the Baron, and so he cracks the uh, the poison caplet and and breathes at him, and then that kills. Uh, I love the sound effect on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, the Baron is shook, uh, but he he was not in the immediate vicinity. So the the, the gas just dissipates, I guess, harmlessly yeah. after like a foot. Yeah. So it. <laughs> Which I don't <laughs> think how science works. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's very glad to be alive. So that's good. It's good for him. Uh, Paul and Jessica, we're back with them. They crash land in the southern polar desert in the Forbidden Zone. And... Uh, we, as they're getting out of the ship, we realize that Yui left Paul the, the signet. Also with some still suits. And some still suits, yeah, which are, are very necessary for the for them. And uh, they take shelter by kind of a rocky outcrop. Um, and Paul realizes that he's not feeling his feelings very well at this point. No. He's just like, I should probably be sad, but the spice, baby. <laughs> love, yeah. Loving that spice. Loving right that now. spice. I mean, it's life. great. You get high, you don't even fucking care about <laughs> yeah. shit anymore. Look, look at me. Fucking my great. dad just fucking died. Yeah. Don't my eyes shit. are glowing yeah. blue. Yeah. I've got three different business plans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's going to be great. Okay. Okay. All I need is like just a small loan for you, mom. It's great. Yeah. It's great. It's just it's seed money. Seed money. Seed money. Yeah. Uh, It'll totally get it back yeah. and more. Yeah. He's like pacing back and forth. <laughs> uh, so his his mother, Jessica, is, is very clearly upset. Like she is, uh, you know, traumatized by all this and trying to to make uh, trying to, to work her way through this. Uh, Paul is just having visions now, <laughs> like full on waking visions. Yeah. Um, the thing some of the things he sees uh, water, the moon, a baby sister that's still in the womb. Uh, his his dead dad like off gassing. I don't know what that was. It's, it's, it's like face is melting. Or his face something. is melting. Yeah. Uh, then we get a, a wonderful. They will call me Maudib, and uh, the desert mouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man. 
Paul uh, Paul really wants to tell his mom about this dream because uh, it's it's just telling him things yeah. and like Jessica's trying to like kind of keep herself together while Paul is just yeah is just going on about this this great idea for a timeshare thing that he's gonna start <laughs> like it's 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 pretty funny this is where he uh, he the first time I believe he makes an oath to his father. Uh, to destroy the emperor and the father. Baron. Yeah. And I love the fact that he, he yells father and then the rest of it is an internal monologue. Yeah. It's like, uh, the, like this father son bond is just so strong that it, it just invokes a holy war. Mm-hmm. You know, just, you, do you ever just like love your father so much that you have to start a jihad? <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, <laughs> a jihad over yeah. that shit. Oh man. No, I've never been in that position. No? No. <laughs> no. I don't know. Maybe me. I'm just planning things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For Cesus that are probably watching, uh, listening, that is a joke. <laughs> I'm not actually planning a jihad. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> Call me Modib. Always keep them guessing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe I am. Maybe. Not. <laughs> going. <laughs> Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get a short scene here where Rebin uh, rips up Dr. Kine's still suit and uh, tells his men to leave him in the desert. Yeah, because when he rips it open, you just see all this water pouring out. Yeah. I'm like, we just rip it open, all the shit comes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Half processed. <laughs> yeah. Like, sweat and piss going everywhere. <laughs> oh. Oh. He uh, he looks over to uh, Thorfer in a cell who seems comatose. Then we're back with Paul and Jessica. They've got their uh, desert suits on. They decide to go from one pile of rocks to another because that pile of rocks looks more habitable. I guess I'm I'm really not sure why. Well, just because like maybe it's like a bigger set of rocks. Because I think it like, was. Um, yeah, they can't stay on the sand or move along mm. the sand because they'll attract the worms. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, Paul. We get our first instance of them talking about having to do the desert walk. Yeah, where they're like walk without rhythm and then proceed to trudge <laughs> like, <laughs> just, with they're the just most walking. obvious rhythm. Slowly yeah. trudge. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. Um, they uh, yeah, Paul has a thumper. Luckily, so he he sets that up, and the, the thumpers are just kind of these these stakes that they put in the ground that that make a rhythmic thumping to distract worms from. Uh, the rhythmic thumping of them walking. Yeah, it's like almost like a sandworm Uber. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> or like a sandworm taxi, you call it. So they, yeah, as you say, they they kind of trudge. There's there's not a lot of rhythm, but there's also not much effort to not just walk normally. Yeah, in the new movie, they sort of show them doing it. Yeah, they, they have like, like a very of, like specific kind of yeah. certain ways. Yeah, it's like step. Step, sl- step, drag, step, drag, step, drag their feet. And it's stuff. like the cha-cha slide yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Three hops this time. <laughs> oh, shit. No, too regular, too regular. Yeah. <laughs> they know, the worms know about the power of three. <laughs> They're all about triangles. <laughs> um, so a worm pops out of the ground, chases them ac- across the, the desert between the, the two rock piles. And uh, they they reach a, a small rocky plateau, and the the war, worm is temporarily thwarted. Uh, so they scramble up a cliffside, and the, this worm though is really kind of into to eating humans, so it, it smashes itself against the cliff. 
rocks fall and, and Paul gets kind of jettisoned down the cliff. Yeah. Oh, the, the Alice in Wonderland yeah, <laughs> fall yeah. that he has here. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, also like he there's like a couple hard lands. For, oh, yeah. Like, he hits, the, <laughs> he hits <laughs> or he rock. doesn't have ankle bones anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and luckily, though, they're saved by the worm hearing another thumper. Yeah. And we get a shot of Paul at kind of the bottom of, of this this crevice that he fell. And uh, he's fine. You know, his his suit's a little dirty, but otherwise they're that's all good. Uh, Jessica looks worse for wear than he does. She's uh, she's not having a great time out here uh, because, again, she can process normal human emotions and uh, he cannot. They they travel uh, through kind of this cavern within the rocks uh, and they realize that, oh, hey, we're stepping on like carved stone steps. And here is where we meet the Fremen. Well, lightning strikes, I guess, for dramatic purposes. And uh, Stilgar here, like, the Fremen take one look at them and are just like, should we adopt them? Well, mm. we'll take the boy. I don't know about the mother, though. Yeah. <laughs> like it's 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 oddly bizarre. Imagine walking into a scenario like you're on vacation in a foreign land you go just you go for a walk and you come across a group of people and the first thing they are just like yes we'll take the boy yeah he will join our tribe <laughs> like, or because i think it's like it's like thinking that she's like oh she's worth is she worth whatever her weight and body I'm like, are it, they yeah. talking about like trafficking her <laughs> uh n- no i thought it or was that they, i thought like, it was that um she wouldn't be of any use oh like physical labor wise so they would she would be a a negative net on water yeah yeah it's it's all about are you worth your weight in water for them and they um yeah they they see paul and and everyone loves paul when they see him so it's it's fine it's hard not to love the thick head of hair yeah (laughs) yeah i mean when you're the chosen one it's just that's how life goes yeah which kyle mclaughlin still has a thick head of hair Oh, I I, yeah. I believe Fox you now. could probably yeah. like dig up his skeleton in in like a hundred years, and it's still gonna still there. there. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica uh, decides that um, she she chooses violence immediately here because she she just grabs Stilgar the the leader and kind of by the throat, and and she uh, I think she uses maybe a little bit of the voice too to kind of get them to 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 back off here, and uh, Paul kind of flees up a little bit of an embankment and so there's a bit of a tussle um stilgar is impressed by jessica's sweet moves and is and like okay turned on, i think and, he's a yeah. little turned on he just yeah. likes strong women so he's like oh fuck yeah yeah no i mean look it's it's, it's legit they're so easily pushed over to being like <laughs> okay yay both of you can stay <laughs> yeah. let's all just be friends yeah. Yeah. after like they were just like we're like gonna like offer and yeah. like yeah. It's a weird it's a weird interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, your water will mingle with our water. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, let's slow down, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about like conjoined still suits or, or what. Yeah. <laughs> wherever wherever you're taking this. Buy me this. a drink first before we, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They, so they as long as the um, as long as Jessica teaches them her her weirding ways, as they call it, she, they, she is she is welcome to. Uh, Paul is uh, on his ledge. He's confronted by, uh, Johnny, who is, uh, Sean Young. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, is that, yeah, that is, yeah, yeah that's Sean Young. 
doesn't get a lot to do in this movie, unfortunately. Nope. No, she doesn't. She's just uh, gonna be like, Pow. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you guys ever see? Because she was cast in the 1989 Batman. She was supposed to be Vicky Vale. No, and really? I think, was she? Yeah. Oh. So she was cast. She was on set, and they were training for a horse. A scene where they're riding horses on the Wayne Manor stuff. Oh, I've that heard this story. I don't know yeah. if they ever did do a it, shot no, it of never, that it in, the movie. Ended up in the movie. So she got hurt doing that oh, and no. fired from the movie and replaced with uh, Kim Basinger. And when Batman Returns was being made, the casting announcement for uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was done on, I think, Joan Rivers' show. It was either mm. Joan Rivers or Sally Jesse Raphael, where Sean Young came out. In a sort of homemade, off-the-shelf Catwoman costume, right. ripping on Tim Burton, being like, I oh was in God. your other movie, uh, you could have, like, casted me, and she's doing, like, an Eartha Kit like, impression, and it's just to a confused audience of people watching this woman have... <laughs> some version of a breakdown in front of them <laughs> in real like time. It is uncomfortable. <laughs> she's just like, oh, what no. am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, it's, and she's like calling him Timmy and shit. Oh and it's oh. just like, whew, okay. That's, that's tough. That is tough. Yikes. Uh, yeah, so they uh, they immediately, yeah, they, they join up with, with the Fremen. Uh, Johnny's basically like, hey, I, I, would, I would never have let you hurt anyone. And mm-hmm. like, it, it it makes more sense in the if you watch like the 2020 version uh where there's a little bit more like there's a little bit more of a fight that goes on uh and and things are a little bit more tense in this meeting scene it's it's in another this, it's another version of the you're walking the walking yeah. up behind you thing of mm-hmm. like i would have just done this and i would have <laughs> deflected yeah. it with my triple backflip <laughs> or double backflip like it's yeah that's that exactly it exactly it the yeah so so uh, this isn't the first time uh in the movie that paul has seen her he's seen her in several dreams and he's a little bit smitten and yeah. uh yeah so then uh so they're all talking here the the leader stilgar apparently the very first thing you need to be a fremen is a secret name the importance of this will never come into play in this movie but you get one so that's great uh, so his is Utzel, which means strength, because they, they have, Stilgar's like, I like you, you have strength. And Paul's like, okay. And he also needs to choose a manhood name. Mm. He could have just told them, well, my name is Paul. Could you please call me Paul? Yeah, but no, he's like, no, he's like that me. moon up there. <laughs> call me Mo Deep. Yeah. I mean, yeah Spice me. Rat. <laughs> Can I be Paul Spice Rat? Paul Spice Rat. <laughs> I... I mean, I guess. Sure. <laughs> oh, it's almost like, um, you know, like emo kids will ch- change their names. It's like um, Josie J Feather Mulcahy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he gets he 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 gains so many names here. Just it's almost this. like um, oh, um, what the fuck is her name from Game of Thrones? Where it's like I'm Khaleesi, the breaker of chains. Oh yeah, the mother of dragons, yeah, the mother the of something dragons, of other things, like yeah. all this other stuff. And you're just like, oh, okay. I God can't wait for like the exposés that um, 
children of influencers are going to do, like where they're forced to be on YouTube as like children as part of a family YouTube. Oh my god! Where and That's like people that like named their kids Khaleesi mm. and shit before the game, before Game of Thrones ended. I mean, I don't want to meet the people that named their kid Khaleesi after Game of Thrones yeah. ended. That's for sure. But the people from before, that's bad and weird. <laughs> can you just imagine this? Just like Khaleesi, can you please just I don't know, call me Katie or something? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like Game of Thrones. <laughs> Paul asks what they call the. I think it's the shadow in the second moon, which is Maudib, and so now he is Paul Maudib. Uh, they travel with the Fremen. They uh, who who lead them into kind of these underground caverns. They're excited to see moisture, which is not a thing they've seen yet on Arrakis. And we learn that there are huge reserves of water uh, under Arrakis. And once the Fremen have enough, they plan on doing some major landscaping. And uh, so Johnny, uh, she's she's kind of immediately given Paul the look here, but he just talks to himself, which is really, really funny. Yeah, it's more of what I was saying, where it's just it, it's true psycho behavior <laughs> of just not responding no. and staring at someone. It would be she's so... Like, Oh, he's 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 new. He's yeah. so cute, yeah. and then it's just tell like, me of your home world, like, and yeah. he's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just like Edward Cullen vibes, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. just just like blank look on his face, and he's like, I come from yeah. Caladan, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> What's now, your home planet like? <laughs> <laughs> wet. Okay. Yeah. Just like four <laughs> second pause. It's wet. Wet. Just like oh. I'm gonna make you baby in a couple minutes. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alternatively, I want the audio cut in from Anakin talking about Tatooine here. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so nonsensical. Sand. Sand. I hate it. <laughs> it gets, gets everywhere. everywhere. Uh, oh, all right. Now one. we go to one of the most off-putting few minutes of this movie here because we're back <laughs> to the Harkonnens uh, on box. I think they're back in Kitty Prime here. Box. Video cult staple uh, oh, makes us hate food. I hated food so much after this. I just got my appetite back too after having a cold and, and it was just like, no, why don't I just watch Rebin open mouth chew for a minute? Thanks. Ugh. Thanks, David. They don't call him the beast for nothing. <laughs> no, they don't. So there's a lot here, and I'm going to miss some stuff, so please um, please jump in. Please make sure to email us at videocults. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a... HFX at gmail.com. Okay. Is there an HFX in there? I, I it think it's six, just six, underscore 666. We have so many emails. so many emails. Anyway, the, so the Baron is... Uh, he's flying in circles, laughing like a madman. Uh, in the other part of the room, they're butchering some kind of cow-dog-like thing. And uh, it's it's kind of hung up by its its legs. Uh, Video cult six 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 at gmail. There you go. Yeah, all <laughs> of your complaints. We're opening up the floodgates to a lot of weird shit. <laughs> yeah. So Revan comes into the room, uh, stops to rip a bit off of the face of this this animal. It looks like a cow tongue. Yeah, he might uh, something like that, and he, he kind of just chows down on it. Uh, while the the Baron is doing his his little flyy circles, there's another Harkonnen there who seems to be playing some kind of instrument. I think I don't know. He's got a black box that dials on it, and it's making noises that could be misconstrued for music. I don't know. So the the Baron and Rebin have a conversation here, where the Baron gives Arrakis to Rebin, 
And he's just like, I need you to squeeze it. The spice must flow kind of thing. And he's like grabbing on his face. Yeah, he, it's and, and very like sticking his fingers in his mouth. Yeah. And then that's where we see the chewed up food oh, that's getting all so over bad. his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. Uh,. <laughs> So the uh, the yeah the the open mouth laugh at the end made me legitimately gag. Then like a ray of sunshine, Sting as <laughs> yeah. Thade emerges like a beautiful coked up butterfly from this steam <laughs> bath. Wasn't like Sting super into yoga? Because he's like, into tantric sex. That's <laughs> he might be into edging. yoga, but tantric sex seems is like the thing. And also, like, is, does that also include edging? That is all about edging. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's just he's just so excited. He he's he's so close to busting a nut, but <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. he's like, and the underwear he's got on don't look like <laughs> underwear because they it's like an oversized belt buckle. Yeah. It's almost like a sensor box that's in front of him <laughs> with wings. Like he uh he borrowed it from uh He-Man. Mm. Yeah. It's got it's yeah, very affixed with different uh, things. Yeah. Doesn't look like it wraps around. It's just it's just like yeah. his dick is in a holster <laughs> and so it's just hanging off the front of him. Yeah. Yeah. So the the Baron has a really weird interaction with Thade here to end off this scene. Oh yeah, because like he's like beautiful, beautiful Thade. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, then he, he cries for his doctor. And where's my doctor? Like, yeah, he's he's he gets all worked up about seeing Thade in his underwear. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now we're uh, we're back with the Fremen. Uh, it's Jessica's. Uh, turn here, I guess, to become the Reverend Mother for the Fremen. Mm-hmm. Uh, since their old one is just too old to continue, she's she's done. Uh, so she gets to drink the Water of Life, which they do in this ceremony. It just looks like a blue, like, powerade. Yeah, I was thinking like that, <laughs> or like blue mouthwash, like Listerine. Yeah, it's got that dark Listerine mm, yeah. hue. <laughs> um. So one of the things Which we I'm pretty sure if you drink Listerine, you're definitely going <laughs> to get the similar reaction. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to. So one of the things we've kind of glossed over here is that uh, Jessica is pregnant um, with with the Duke's child. Of course, uh, she has an unborn daughter. And uh, so in this ceremony um, that, that's done in, in kind of their their underground grotto, uh, uh, she she drinks the the water of life and then kind of uh, after the fact thinks like how will this affect my unborn child i wonder <laughs> like she does this after just swigging a giant glass of the stuff yeah <laughs> yeah um so the the uh, I, 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 water of life syndrome yeah <laughs> no <laughs> i mean you're not wrong with yeah. what happens there's so. like a <laughs> there's like a warning on the bottle <laughs> yeah don't don't consume and drive worms or don't drink while pregnant yeah. with like super babies. Yeah. So the I, I believe now we get a little bit more of Princess Arulian's narration here where we learn that the water unlocks um, it, it kind of unlocks more Bene Gesserit powers. Uh, it's also the most painful thing in the universe, apparently. Uh, Paul is here doing his own narration, thinking about himself as usual <laughs> while this is happening. We get a close-up fetus shot. Yeah, I did just write fetus. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, of it, like, I guess this is it kind of being being born or something, but it's basically 
just yeah. in a place floating in like a red space in a, in a womb if in you a, will womb, <laughs> where fetuses like, usually are yeah but I, I, just, I didn't get a womb vibe from it as all i guess <laughs> i mean i think not that, woomy enough yeah, yeah not woomy enough not uh dr Myling woomy yeah yeah, yeah. but just, this, is, this is where the movie gets like fucking relentless like oh, it's yeah, more yeah. or less a montage well, been, onward like, yeah, we're we're two two hours and ten minutes in here, and and we've been we've been ramping up, and how much of the book, like pages and pages, we're just tearing through at this point, and yeah. then just yeah, put your seatbelts on, folks, because yeah. there's it's hardly a moment Click. like I don't know if after the scene that we just had of the gross Harkonnens, I don't know if there's really ever a full conversation again. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure it's just one person <laughs> describing something to somebody else and then we move on. Yeah. So we don't really get to meet a lot of the Fremen outside of Stilgar and outside of that no. one scene, like he talks yeah. some more, but we don't get into that. Yeah. Like the book really gets more into their culture mm-hmm. and stuff, mm. even before the, these to- moments. So, yeah, they're kind of one dimensional. Yeah. They're sort of just there to be an army, a mm-hmm. faceless army for our third act. So the the old reverend mother kind of surrenders her life and knowledge to Jessica during this process. And then she just kind of like faints over dead. Uh, get a little bit more princess narration here. Um, and uh, as kind of the part of the, the, the process here, Jessica gives birth to Alia, uh, who is a super baby with the powers of a reverend mother uh, who seemingly see, seems to have been born in like the first trimester here she, grow, she, she grows really fast oh yeah they yeah. do say that that's like the, yeah sort of like the side effect from uh, the water of life yeah like she is mm. she is more premature than any baby that has ever survived uh, yeah and but she is she is a super child so she yeah she grows faster uh we go back to giddy prime where we get one of the maybe greatest scenes in cat. cinematic <laughs> history. Cat, cat in the box. <laughs> yeah, this is cat box. Um, so it's the Baron and Thade talk about Thurfer. Uh, he's apparently he's one of the finest mentats in the universe, despite the fact that he was duped the entire time where we saw him on screen constantly. Yeah. Um, Thade has a cat in a mechanical box, and this poor cat does not want to be. And- Honestly, the way he is looking at it while the Baron just talks at him is like he can't figure out, A, what this is, B, why he's holding it, and C, where he is. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> like, he is just, he is along for the ride here. Um, Wait, I love that they say that the cat has to be, like, milked in order for them to get yes. whatever it is that they're using. It's like There's also a rat. There's a strung up next yeah. to it that they don't explain. No. <laughs> and I it's thought that the there. rat was maybe like fused to the cat. And maybe this was part of the, the how the cat antidote works. But not to get ahead of ourselves here, because I mean, I feel like we could spend the rest of the episode talking about cat box and just cut it <laughs> off there. Mm. <laughs> but we, they go up to Thorfer, who is uh, restrained in a chair. And uh, he's, his front torso is bare because uh, we see that they've installed one of their patented heart plugs in him. And so the Baron kind of gloats a little bit, tells him he'll get used to it. But also, not only does he have this this instant kill heart tab now installed in him. We brought you a little cat, Thufa. You must care for it if you wish to live. A poison has been introduced into your body, Thufa Hawad. By milking this 
this smooth little cat's body, you receive your antidote. It must be done each day. It's like some weird ass saw trap. Like, <laughs> it really? Like, like <laughs> if you don't, it's like, it's like you have 24 hours if you're done. It's a six, six, six. You cut me off at an intersection six years ago. You, yeah. don't value, you don't value other people's lives on the road, so now you have to milk this cat. Wait, day. wait, what? <laughs> it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle that, that has been mistranslated through like a game of telephone with yeah. 20 people. Yeah, and they, they ended up with like... Yeah, so the cat is like, technically in the saw trap. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, I meant pick up cat food. Not like set the cat in the fucking thing. Yeah, it's it's wildly strange and honestly has no bearing on the movie whatsoever. No. We will never see Thor see... 4 again. Yeah, yeah, no. we don't. We will never see the cat box again. It's so incredibly weird and and, and like Lynchian that I'm just I'm I'm so every time I see it in the movie, I just I I just savor it because it's almost a non sequitur to the rest of the movie and it's like meanwhile and you're you're just presented this, and then it goes back to the plot. And I'm like, all right, all right. I guess I just that just happened to me. But uh, Thade, of course, we do get a little bit of more uh, about Thade in this scene because he he's just like, oh, it's just I just would kill him. Like I I wouldn't go to all of this trouble type of thing. Thade's got a real hard on for murdering Atreides, so <laughs> that that's maybe the one little bit of of character development we get here. Uh, moving back to Arrakis. We get shots of sand and Paul and uh, Gianni, their 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 sweet makeout sesh thing. Yeah, in the hall. And it just like, it just kind of reminds you of like, you know, like those high school teenagers who are just like, oh my God, it's our one week anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because we've barely been with them and they're literally like, I love you so much. Yeah. (laughs) I fucking love you too. How come you love me? (laughs) We're kind of the only people this age, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. And, this is this is where we start skipping like hundreds of pages in short montages yeah. here, yeah. right? Because you just have to kind of take the movie's word for it that time is passing, even though their look, like their style of dress, like anything about nothing about them changes in how they are presented to us as the audience. We just have to be like, oh, OK, some time has probably passed of all the things that they <laughs> monologue in this movie. They couldn't have had Princess Arulian been like. Two years later, I think she does. Yeah, does she? Yeah. She did did I just miss that? You did. Yeah, because she does. Because she said she. Yeah. Oh, the she's, one line. Yeah. God <laughs> damn she it! Because she talks about how they're basically waging war in the desert. Yeah. And that mm. Revan is keeping it a secret that spice production has stopped. Uh, it's been two years. His sister is growing at an alarming rate. And yeah. Has she's like powers five of years old, Desert, but which, talks like a old crone. Yeah, it's weird. I hate when they do this in movies. They it, it, like, and it's not like it's all the time, but there's a few movies where there is supposed to be a child that it's like wise beyond its years, and they're like, "Well, a child actor is basically a trained monkey, so let's get a, a 50 year old woman who's been smoking a pack a day to pretend to do the voice of a child. Yeah. We'll overlay that. Fucking no one will tell the difference. Oh, yeah. And so that's what we get is like basically yeah. the woman who did the voice of Reagan in The Exorcist when she's possessed <laughs> is doing the voice of oh, this nine year old child. And it's like, you will listen to me. I'm nine, but I'm very smart. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we get some some scenes of, of Paul addressing like the the Fremen at mm-hmm. at large. Like there's there's a scene where he's he's kind of telling them 
his plan to disrupt spice trades, uh, you know, and teach and, them the weirding way. Yeah, yeah. And teaching them the weirding way and stuff. And he's like, he's already come in as, as kind of a, a yeah. savior figure, despite, you know, like they, it feels like we, we had them meet like five minutes. Well, cause I think it yeah. was five minutes ago. In yeah. the movie, and, and like they adopt him immediately. And then like, he's giving speeches yeah. to thousands. It's, it's mm-hmm. wild how much, gets glossed over also here. Are you going to the spice rat rally <laughs> I'm, going, I'm heading up to that spice rat rally <laughs> there's not much to do right yeah. for the rabbits like probably, probably. Yeah. yeah i mean i'd probably go yeah, yeah. um <laughs> spice <Yeah>. rat <laughs> yeah. oh my god we need to change your name now um but also isn't this like when they're like he's teaching them like the weirding way but like i've noticed two little child soldiers in the mix of oh, like a bunch yeah. of these <laughs> yeah. and I'm yeah. just like oh my god how old are yeah. these kids this is where we get the uh, the the teaching scene which is mm-hmm. fantastic because the, the mm-hmm. movie always presents us with these ridiculous objects that are involved in training that apparently just everyone has them and they're readily available and it's it's you know it's common mm-hmm. this is so common so he's got uh, a, a large group of Fremen in front of a they call it an obelisk but what it is is basically a giant pyramid of uh, obsidian mm-hmm. right it's it's just a big stone carving and um you know you, you, we kind of get a little moment here where he's just like hey hey you uh dude go on him and kick this this obelisk and, and like okay that didn't work now punch it all right now yell at it and like and, you know it's it's kind of played for for comedy there and uh, he asks another guy to cut it with like a giant blowtorch and they're they're like um spice rat could you are you gonna are we gonna break this thing what's going on and so then paul uh he's built one of the uh the weirding modules that the atreides were originally going to use and uh he uh warms up his voice and he he blows it up with this thing destruction through yodeling yeah (laughs) and the the idea behind it is basically some thoughts have a certain sound vibration and that through this certain motion you can basically cause things to come apart and and, and their modules focus this and, and so he, he blows that up and he's like I'm gonna teach you all to do this it's, it's super cool and um, then in the next scene everyone's practicing blowing up these kind of training bots which are a lot like the the giant golden one that we saw at the beginning of the movie that was full of like spiky bits but these ones are inert and they're just like practicing shooting at them Paul goes up to to talk to Stilgar one of the the guys in the background though is just like hey Madib kind of like just saying hello I think uh but then his his uh gun goes off and he shoots a, a side of the wall and it, it explodes and then we get an incredible shot of just Paul close up of Paul's face and he looks just so like the as he blankly stares at the camera and then we get his his voiceover being like my word or my my name is a killing word and it's it's a fantastic still if you're uh if you have to pause the movie for any reason now uh catch worm go to battle yeah oh well but before (laughs) that paul decides that to be the great leader because he's still not complete he's still not feeling Mm. whole as the galaxy savior uh he needs to uh, do some two two things. The first one is some sweet worm rodeo. Oh yeah, and uh, he takes a, a shovel. They have him out. They they a bunch of people come to watch him just in case. I think he dies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and because that'd be entertaining. And he's got this shovel pick thing, and they summon a worm with thumpers, and then the worm just kind of pops up though, and then it just kind of slithers around. 
So Paul's just able to run up to it, like wedge the, the thing in, open up one of its scales and then cause it to roll over, which rolls him on top of the worm. Uh, and then he's got ropes that he, he uses to, to steer the worm. And then he throws them down so that the other Fremen can all come up and they can all have like a like a fun party. Like I think this is the first instance of that Toto guitar yeah. riff. Yes, it as is. Well, yeah. Also, an awesome guitar riff. That's I love that. Anytime yeah. that sets starts up, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> it's it, 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 no, it's, really, it's triumphant. It's good. Yeah. It's yeah. like Nathan in his house. Mo deep, Mo deep, Mo deep, Mo deep. I can get Dion in on it too. It's great. <laughs> you guys are both wearing still suits. Yeah. Um, we call Griff Shai Halub sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is another time where you get the fear mantra in his head while he's, you know, summoning the worm. Um, Stilgar, when he gets up on the. Uh, uh, up on the platform, like still Stilgar is a huge Paul fan. I don't think anyone's as big of like uh, like his fan club as Stilgar. Cause I still- think because like Stilgar is trying to get in with Paul's mom. So he wants to be like, cool, I'm your, I want to be your, I want to be your new step- cool dad. Yeah, yeah. I want to be like your cool stepdad. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. But then I guess, I guess Chani can't go out with Paul anymore because Chani is Stilgar's kid. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Well, yeah. no, it's step. Step's fine, right? It's fine. <laughs> in some, in some the, factions of the internet, it is fine. I, I think in this instance, it's not really... Well, I guess they are like teenagers, but it's not yeah. like them growing up. Because I feel like there are times in people's lives where two people will get together in their 30s or 40s and then their old parents will fuck because oh. they just don't know anybody else. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like, I yeah, feel like yeah. that happens and I feel like that's more akin to that yeah. than uh, uh, I'm stuck in the dryer scenario <laughs> that the internet is so prepared us for. <laughs> oh, step dry. bro, I'm stuck inside the worm. Oh, no. <laughs> Be careful what you're doing right now. People are going to clip this shit. <laughs> <laughs> People are gonna take that's all they needed to make it AI Gabby yeah. step porn. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh boy. Yeah, we uh is this where he drinks the water of life? I think this is where he drinks yeah, the yeah. water of life. Yeah. So that that was the the second thing he needs to do to be an awesome leader is is drink the water of life. And uh, so he also goes out into the desert to do that, despite the fact he could do that literally anywhere. I think um, it's like it's really part of the it's part of the uh, the experience. It's, it like, is, yeah, it's like doing ayahuasca, like yeah. Coachella. It's not or really something. a specific place in the desert. No, and I feel like everyone else just sort of stands to the side, yeah. much like they yeah. did with the worm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so what are you gonna do? Well, I'm gonna drink this water. I'm gonna lay on this uh, nondescript mm. side of a dune. And freak the fuck out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, the goal is to not die. Yeah. That is that is our, our singular goal here. And uh, he sits, yeah, he sits down. He gets uh, a couple of the Fremen to bind him uh, to, I guess, because maybe like maybe water of life makes you real flaily. Like he doesn't want to hurt himself. But it, for whatever reason, he uh, he pops in there and. Uh, Johnny comes over and is just like, hey, I super duper love you, by the way, because um, you might die here. So I yeah. wanted you to know that. And uh, she's not a big fan of this whole plan, but uh, she she does. She is the one that that pours it in his mouth because he's all tied up. Mm-hmm. So uh, she she takes a little vial of Listerine and just uh, just pops it down. Oh, there. babe, I thought I told you get the alcohol free Listerine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you're not going to get the burn. Yeah. <laughs> 
and makes it go ouchy. It does. Uh, it does, in fact, hurt Paul's mouth. He, uh, man, he really, really has has all sorts of visions and stuff going on here. This is the number of times where I've said in this episode and then Paul has a vision. Yeah. Is a wild. Lot. It's it's take it's, a drink every time he says that. Yeah. And take a drink every time I say the sleeper awakens cuz yeah. I feel like I've said that a lot. Yeah. You're going to have to retroactively do it though, so yeah. just like get a few pictures or something because yeah. you're already behind. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go go back, re-listen to the podcast. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no worries. It's it's we're only at like two and a half hours. Oh, you're, yeah, you're, that's fine. We're barely into it. Fine. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a long ass episode. Yeah. Well, because the, the bonus this week is after we finish up this recording, Gabby is going to sit and read Dune to yeah. us and we're gonna do commentary <laughs> yes. on the book. Yeah. Exactly. Now uh the big thing with this, of course, is that Pretty much everyone in the galaxy can feel Paul doing this. Uh, any, all of the Bene Gesserits, uh, even the one, the the first Reverend Mother that we meet, all the way up in the uh, Imperial Palace, is just like, oh no! And they've all got nosebleeds, which is pretty funny. Uh, Jessica and Alia. Uh, so we we never see Alia as like a baby baby. She's more of like like a small child, small bald child, uh, and she she also dresses like a Bene Gesserit from yeah. so it's it's kind of cute it's like she's playing dress up with her mom Aww. and um but yeah this is where we get her like 50 year old exorcist voice for the first time too <laughs> yeah. mother paul has drinking the water of life gwildor <laughs> <laughs> is that you gwildor gwildor coming over the, the sand dude gwildor i think they're drinking the water of life <laughs> It tasted good. (laughs) I've been eating spice all day. So if we're going to bring this back to all the other movies, of course, this takes place in a desert. Do we see a bunch of little bikers just on on worms? (laughs) Instead of bikes, they're on worms. Oh, they got to get their heads right. <laughs> I, guess, oh God, I think we broke we broke Nathan. Attorney yeah. is actually in the ten one ninety one. It's a it's a part. Of, Attorney is a part of the Imperium. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it all makes sense to me now. Yeah, and there's actually um, a Rip is actually um, fighting worms. I don't know how to bring him into this. Oh, I mean. From one messiah to another, Rip might, might just be there in the background to give him some advice, some yeah. good life advice. Rip's rip all him. about the kids. Yeah, yeah Rip. <laughs> rip him. He's in the background of the Thade scene coming up, just giving him the... Uh, the shaka. Yeah, the shaka. All right. Um, that so, guy, oh, it, since we're on it, yeah. that, the guy uh, who works at the fucking bar... Uh, who's featured a lot in No Holds Barred. He basically has the Harkonnen haircut. Oh, he's he does. Halfway, yeah. He's halfway there. Yeah. He's If he's not like Reben's like brother or something. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he's yeah. second cousin. Second cousin easily, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now uh, the war begins. Oh, well, Paul, Paul gets a bodyguard. He gets a personal bodyguard. Uh, these are normal Fremens who are apparently good warriors and they get like some red paint mm-hmm. around their shoulders to, like the, to be uh, like his. What was it? The... Uh, the white hand of Isengard. Oh, that'd have been so much cooler, yeah. Yeah. Just... Also, he wakes up from his drug trip and doesn't tell everyone they've been eating worm shit, which is uh, <laughs> oh, real yeah. betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when he's right. just just him walking away from Johnny not saying anything. She's like, "It's shit. <laughs> yeah. Fuck! But it's been shit this whole. whole I've been 
<laughs> touching it with my hands it's and then touching my, my eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my it's god! In everything. <laughs> oh god! The the glowing blue eyes is just is just the Arrakis version of pink eye. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> yeah. so it's like no no you have fecal matter in both of your eyes yeah. all the time. Yeah. You're gonna go blind at age forty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, the the war begins now. Uh, we get some some great scenes where the the Fremen's on the attack. They attack the harvesters. A montage, a montage. Yeah, <laughs> massacre a bunch of Harkonnen and soldiers. Then we have, like, um, hey babe, um, like we get like a overpose like a overpose shot of like Paul and Chani kissing, and I'm like, hey babe. Oh, yeah, that was some real music the, video. Yeah, shit. let's <laughs> kiss to the backdrop of uh, desert warfare. Yeah. Because isn't it like almost like a semi-opaque too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. superimposed. Yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's real good. Um, there, as we we see Rebin in the palace uh, in Arrakis, and there's just dead Harkonnens everywhere, mm-hmm. and he's interrogating a wounded soldier on what happened, and all the things. The only thing the soldier can say over and over again is Maudib, and uh, so Rebin just he kills him. He kind of gives him the eye squish treatment mm-hmm. and um helpful princess comes back to uh skip us forward two years in time oh i did have this in my notes okay yeah basically paul does what he says he was gonna do which is stop the spice flow in arrakis through guerrilla warfare just like blowing up pipelines yeah being an eco-terrorist <laughs> <laughs> and uh so Rebin, yeah and Rebin is trying to hide the fact that he's losing this war and uh we get a little bit of a thing being like, oh, yeah, also, Alia is basically a demon child with terrifying cosmic powers. Yeah, she's a fucking little creeper. Oh, she's we find best. Gurney, she's and he's got a sweet skullet. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because... Um, <laughs> yeah. Paul and Johnny are... Yeah, they're, they're still a thing. Yeah. Lots of running around the desert. Yeah, they meet, they meet up with Gurney, who seems to... He hasn't joined up with the Fremen, no. but he's leading kind of like a... I think it's just he has like the a last of the Atreides, the Atreides right? guys yeah. that have been hanging out somewhere else because I feel like they didn't go out into the forbidden zones of the desert, yeah. so that's why they haven't come across each other yet. Yeah, and there's a big hug which I liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, and then uh, we we go back to the Imperial Palace where uh, the Navigator Guild is fucking pissed. They are not having this shit. You should have killed Paul. Yeah. They're they're giving the emperor basically one last chance to sort his shit out on Arrakis, uh, or he won't be emperor anymore. And uh, they they all want to know who Ma Deeb is, uh, and uh, they one of the, their kind of last warning to the emperor is like basically fix this or you will live out the rest of your life in a pain amplifier which uh, i don't know what that is it's never it's never referenced again but i assume it's a lot like the cat box <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a, the pain the pain box but there's like a little cat in it yeah cat comes comes in and like yeah you know it's the cat poisoned and the cat has to I'm not, not gonna, I'm not gonna go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's getting scratched up, getting melted yeah. by a cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, so after their talk, uh, we get a very short bit where the navigator servants give us narration that tells us that they actually do know who Paul is, that he's Maudib, and they uh, that he um, he cannot take the water of life or, or bad things will happen. Oh, I'm sorry. So we, we were a little early on the water of life scene, but. That's basically right after after this, because that's what Paul sees all of this in a vision, mm-hmm. the, the, them talking to the emperor and stuff. And so um, 
yeah so excuse me on that the uh before we go back to paul though the emperor uh is uh, in a panic decides to send 50 legions of his Sard- uh sardaukar who are his kind of personal guard and terror troops to arrakis yeah the sardaukar are like his like um super soldiers mm. that come from like a prison planet which i can't remember what they're called yeah God, that part of the 2020 movie was oh, so good. Oh, that was good. so cool. So cool. I love Have that. Have you seen 2020 version of Dune? Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll get into this. <laughs> I, I, I've said I, several I, times. I've I know, I know. But, uh, episode. I honestly just assume you've seen every movie. Yeah. Like, if I mention a movie, I always assume you've seen it. I haven't seen every movie. There's a lot of movies I'll just know a lot about yeah. because yeah. of just my IMDb days just yeah. reading shit. But yeah, I've, I've seen a lot. I do enjoy the uh, group chat Josh synopsises of, of synopses yeah. of, of just weird movies that you're watching. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk more about that one after. I don't want to get yeah. too much of my divergence, but that movie was fucking insane. <laughs> uh, so the last thing. So the, the generals are like 50 leaders. Like, that's half of our reserves. And uh, the emperor's just like, this is it's genocide. Like, and then he, mm-hmm. he tells them that this is a genocide and then defines what a genocide is just in case they've never heard of the term. Then we, uh, Paul wakes up with uh, Gianni after a, one of his many bad vision dreams. And uh, yeah, this is where we, we find that he's like, oh, I need to drink the water of life. So we get that get scene. some sweet dream foil rips yeah. and star wipe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, the star wipes come thick and fast in like the last 20 to 30 minutes of the yeah, movie. Because well, other no- times he had dreams, they didn't like do the ripping away foil to expose yeah. the next scene. But now it seems to do it's, that it's a lot. Every time. Yeah. Yeah, the foil rip ones are my favorite. One of the things that happens too with the uh, when he does the water of life is the uh, like a group of worms pop out of the ground, kind of around him in the desert, and they're all just kind of I I I don't say watch because they don't have eyes, but they're all just kind of taken in the scene, um, and that kind of connects you to just like oh okay, like Paul is now connected to the worms. Paul has his his great uh, epiphany where he's just like oh it's worm poop, huh? The worms are the spice because they poop out the spice. Oh, oh, <laughs> huh. uh, but yeah, never tells anyone this. He he wakes up from from the uh, the water of life uh, and now feels like he is super powered, right? Like he's reached the next level of Super Saiyan. Calls out to his dad again. The sleeper has awakened. Take a drink. <laughs> and uh, then we're in an underground chamber of the Fremen where like a thousand thousand people are chanting his name. He makes a nice speech. Yeah, another, yeah, another spice rat rally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're gonna teach you words, beautiful words. <laughs> gonna use it, blow up the Harkonnens. They're gonna die like dogs. <laughs> so why Paul is like the Donald Trump of the fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it mentions a storm that will shake the universe. Um, then the, uh, the emperor arrives on Arrakis in his, his sweet golden ship. Uh, then the Fremen are on the march. Um, the, uh, Baron also arrives on Dune and, uh, then next the, uh, Fremen are summoning the worms with thumpers. These are all kind of bang, bang, bang scenes. So I'm yeah, this is all over. montage again, yep. all yeah. set to that Toto score does not let up. This oh no, it does not. All guitar riff. <laughs> Yeah, we've got worms on the legs of God hasn't seen. Oh my God, I love that so <laughs> that much. That was a great yeah. line. Yeah, good, good fun scene. Yeah. So the uh, the boys here, uh, Stilgar, Paul, and Gurney, are are planning their assault basically on the the palace in Arrakis, and uh, so they're going to set off some atomic weapons to blast through 
they say to blast through the shield wall. What they end up blasting through is like a rock wall, an actual the entire physical wall. rock wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that surrounds this place. Yeah, at which point uh, Paul asked about the other part of their plan, and he asked if if they have worm signs, and they had set up like every thumper, like yeah. all of the thumper. And Lucian, we have one sign, the likes of which even God has never seen. He says it with such joy, Stilgar, mm. that I'm just like, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, whenever Dune was on TV, they would always play that. That I remember that yeah. scene would always be played in the little commercials for it when it was nice. going to be on. So the uh, we see the sands of the deserts begin to move and swell with all sorts of worms. Lightning blasts. Uh, as the music swells, it's so cool. Uh, this is the t- part of the movie that always convinces me this is one of the best science fiction movies yeah. ever. Because we get to this part, and I'm, by this point, I'm just like, oh my god, yes, yeah. it's it's very triumphant. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the the Fremen and Paul and everybody mount the worms and ride into battle. Uh, me and the crew pulling up the pizza corner after a night of drinking. Thump We come like. Bre- breaching from the ground. I'm like, hi, excuse me, can I get one slice? <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want? <laughs> uh, so the, uh, then we're, we're in the Emperor's, so there's there's kind of, the Emperor has his own weird little, like, palace thing on Dune, and I don't know if that's just his ship that's landed and is, like, now a palace, but it's it when you see it from, like, the faraway shots, it's like this golden palace, and it's definitely different from the palace... Mm. where the Harkonnens control Arrakis. I, I don't know. It doesn't tell me. So, uh, but he's in that one. Uh, um, he has summoned the uh, Baron into his, his chambers. And uh, the Baron comes in. He sees uh, Rebin's head on a plate laid out in front of him and in, in, in front of where the Emperor is sitting. Um, and he is he's quite put upon, uh, you know, with this. He... Uh, the emperor's like, why have you summoned me here? And he's like, I didn't ask you to come here. You don't have to come here. And the emperor's just like, well, your incompetence forced me to be here. And uh, their exchange gets interrupted by Alia, who enters the room by means totally unknown. Yeah. Seeing as Creep she is like child. a six-year-old yeah. who just walked through what I assume has is a very heavily defended fortress. She, she's got like that reverend mother like... <laughs> powers or she can just be like she uses like the little voice she's like oh yeah so i think she just uses the voice on them honestly if even without the voice if there was like this creepy (laughs) six-year-old girl with the voice of a 50 year old woman it all dressed all in black with glowing blue eyes who just like looked up at me and told me to move you just need magical powers i'm gone i'm gone i'll I'll ask her where she's going so i can not be there So she enters the room. I am a messenger from Moadib. Poor Emperor. I'm afraid my brother won't be very pleased with you. Uh, the the other, the Reverend Mother from the beginning, the, the Emperor's uh, like personal Reverend Mother, uh, is just like, holy shit, you need to kill that thing. It's an abomination. Uh, to which Alia just fucks up her mind. Um, yeah, <laughs> I did love that. Yeah, it's like, how about shut up, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she she reveals to them that that Paul is Maudib, which again seems like the the least well kept secret in the universe. I'm, like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know how the emperor hasn't figured this out yet. We learn that there's a, a big storm blowing in that makes their their air power useless, so all of their ships and their their fighters and stuff. We've got uh, desert. Power. We got desert power. Yeah. Um. And uh, we go back to uh, uh, Gurney 
uh, Paul and uh, Stilgar, who are now in kind of like hazmat suits uh, that, that look a lot like kind of fencing suits because they're kind of like that that kind of puffy. Mm-hmm. But they have they have the big coverings, and that's when they detonate the atomics uh, and blow a huge chunk off of uh, the rock cliff face that kind of surrounds where this palace is. Back in the uh, palace, Alia is having just a time for telling the doom of everyone. It's she's she's living it up. Um, Paul and the Fremen ride worms through the the, the gap in the uh, in the the wall, and uh, we get ready for our big battle scene. The Emperor orders the Sardukar to attack, uh, which involves like 5,000 guys running out of the fortress on foot, just being like, oh, shit. (laughs) 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 You never get the sense that this battle is more than like Paul just riding in being like, "Okay, I won now. There's there's really no back and forth. It's so one sided. I don't think you even see a Fremen die. No, not (laughs) to my knowledge. So he uh, he also tells the Baron to uh, to get rid of Alia because he has to go now on into another room that has a periscope carousel device that controls the palace's defenses. So and I know that sounds insane, but it is the best way I can describe it. Uh, So chairs that rotate around a central axis, each one of them looking into a viewfinder that controls like some of the guns on the outside of the fortress why the the emperor and like his top generals seem to be taking this places here not just like soldiers who would be trained to to be gunners i don't know but they start uh they sit down and then this thing spins around as well while they they do this um again it's incredibly stylish like everything else in this movie but it is amongst the most nonsensical parts of the film it is under cat box but it's still up there i think Every time I, I actually even paused the movie this time and I'm like, how do I explain this? How do I explain what you've done here? It, it's got it's got all the logic of like a child's playground. It does. Like there's like weird <laughs> things on a playground where it's like, oh, here's some things with letters on it that yeah. you can spin and you can mm-hmm. look through this like it's a periscope or you can straddle this for some reason. Yeah. Like there's just nonsensical things that a child can <laughs> use just, to imagine with. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like just just play school devices, basically, uh, is, is what they've built here. The merry go around um, with a kaleidoscope in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, so the Sardaukar all rush out. My my only note here was not sure what they hope to accomplish. Uh, things go poorly for them. We get our big battle scene. Um, the palace's defenses are ineffective as they are hilarious, basically. <laughs> and then we we head back to where Alia is, is there with the Baron, and she is she is just completely destroying his brain here, um, kind of toying with him. Uh, we get more battle scenes where the, the Fremen are gunning down the Sardukar from the back of the worms. It's like, it's like the same capacity of them like yelling firebolt, firebolt, firebolt yeah. with like their like special vocal guns. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just like pew, pew, pew. That sort of. <laughs> I wish they were out there going <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Uh, I feel like we don't really hear them too too Not much really and then we'll like no. zoom in on like Johnny and Johnny's like uh, <coughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man what I would have loved to have seen just like after the battle is a bunch of the the Fremen just standing around with lozenges just taking lozenges and passing them around <laughs> and just being like oh my god <laughs> I, can't. I can't we join Alia and the Baron 
uh, again. Uh, and she uses the voice to summon him closer. And then she gets him with the old Gomjabar trick. Mm. Gives, gives him the prick. And she rips out some tubes in his uh, his floaty onesie, which causes him to float out of control while he's the, the poison is, is in his system and he's screaming and hollering. Um, and because she's got this connection with Paul and, and mom, they they know to blast a hole in this particular section of the palace. Uh, and the Baron gets gets sucked out through that uh, from the inrushing air. And uh, he gets swallowed by a giant worm. So we, we like three death scenes. Yeah, for the he's Baron. super dead. <laughs> he's yeah. super duper dead. Now we get my absolute favorite single scene in this movie because Alia follows him out the hole. She just kind of climbs out. And then we see her on the battlefield surrounded by dead Sardukar. She has a knife in one hand, which I don't know where she got that. She's got her little gum jabar prick in the other and she's dancing and she's just twirling and she is the happiest little psychopath you will ever see. Yeah, I think you you gotta keep an eye on that. (laughs) Oh yeah, there is nothing good coming. Uh, especially if you've, if you've read the later Dune books, she is, uh, she is in fact an abomination. Um, <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah. And, uh, now, um, we get a little bit of a cut ahead here because we're in the Imperial Palace and, uh, Paul, or sorry, I should say they're still on Arrakis, but the, the, the palace, the Emperor's Palace on Arrakis. Paul uh, rolls up Paul with rolls his entourage. Paul rolls up, yeah, with his, his entourage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he, um. He strolls in, confronts the the emperor and his, his lackeys, and they're all kind of in the custody of the Fremen now. Uh, Paul looks super unimpressed at the start of this scene here. And also a big welcome back to uh, Princess Arulian, who is uh, back here for her last cameo. Uh, Paul tells the emperor uh, to send home the other great houses that have ship it, ships in orbit. So uh, some of the other houses, I guess, are, are kind of waiting in orbit for orders. Uh, the emperor starts to refuse, but is interrupted by the navigator representatives that are there. Um, you really screwed the pooch on this one here, dude. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You're you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the Reverend Mother actually tries to start some shit with Paul, uh, but he's not having it. Um, it's like silence. Yeah. And uh, Paul notices that that Thade is there. And uh, Paul really wants to fight Thade. What's this ginger motherfucker still doing here? <laughs> yeah. Why are you still alive? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I killed all of you. Yeah. And um, there's honestly nothing in the universe that Thade wants more than to fight Paul right now. So he is. Uh, he- <laughs> <laughs> oh, calm down. Yeah. If the fight's not that hot. Like, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, Goldus. Uh, I just tried to hold the sneeze in. So they uh, they they decide to have a nice little knife fight here, and this time there's no shields involved, which is nice because we can actually see the fight. And uh, luckily, too, the Fremen brought a whole drum line in for just this occasion. <laughs> there's six or seven Fremen there that already had drums, and they just they just start uh, laying down a bit of a beat for us. Hey, well, he saw it in his dream. He saw it in his future dreams. Yeah. So oh, he so was just like, he's like, so okay. So, so I'm gonna fight them. this guy. Tr- trust me. No, I'm serious. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. No. Okay. So you're gonna come in with the drum. Yes. Bring the drums. J- trust me. It's gonna look so. It's gonna sound so cool. You sure you saw this in your future dream? Yeah. No. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, gonna you, it's gotta awesome. have the drums, or I don't win the fight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now let's all figure out this whole choreography to stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And. 
five, six, seven, seven eight. eight. Okay, right. I'm slashing. I'm moving. Slippy. You're Absolutely. drumming. Okay, <laughs> and okay. throw. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Drummer number two, you're you're way off beat. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out of here, please. <laughs> they throw him to the worms. <laughs> So, uh, so everyone kind of forms a nice little like circle around, uh, around, uh, Paul and Thade. Uh, Thade is super excited about this. And, uh, it reminded me honestly, a little bit of the end of, uh, a gladiator when, when he's fighting the emperor, just a little bit. And so they uh they go back and forth a little bit the thade is using the emperor's blade which which has him even more excited and paul gets uh gets kind of trapped by thade like he's got him and uh he's kind of pushing down and the the knife's close to paul's head but they're both they're both kind of standing thade also has a hidden thigh blade which is very practical and uh so paul has to worry about that as well because that kind of like spoops out of his thigh and then it's there like menacing paul and Luckily, though, Paul has some some great wisdom that he he internal monologues for us that he will be a, a reed bending in the wind. And so he he uses that and he uses uh, Thade's own pressure kind of against him to flip him. Uh, he gets on top of him and he uh, he stabs him through the uh, through the neck <laughs> and then desecrates his corpse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, he he yells in a way that that kind of splits the ground the the fremeter's like oh my god like he because he doesn't have his his weirding module and so like he, he no longer needs his uh, the module to use his voice to kill and stilgar here we get a, a beautiful breakaway to stilgar who just says deep. like he's just <laughs> so like whoa um it's it's great and uh and then, of course, we gotta we gotta exit the way we entered this movie is through the princess's narration about how he became the messiah, uh, and he gets he gets a nice cape, mm-hmm. and then he uh, he concentrates real hard and causes rain to fall on Arrakis. The rain's down on Arrakis and uh, floods Arrakis. It's, it's a, yeah, it's, it it's, it's like yeah. a kills the worms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all the desert life is yeah. like whoops and uh area actually uh gets to 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 get the the very last word in in our film here and how can this be for he is the my voice is going obviously because I, I can't actually do it now but um <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's it, and then we get an '80s soap opera. I wrote down soap opera credits. Everywhere you look. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Um, they needed to show a picture next to the names in case you didn't catch the thousand times people's names are repeated while they're in the room. So, uh, yeah, that's Dune. There it is. Yeah, the the, The uh, big juggernaut. What are we for time? Oh boy, we are uh, two hours and fifty three ish minutes. Jesus Christ! Yeah. All right, so let's let's make uh, let's wrap it up here. (laughs) We don't want to we don't want to exceed elves. No. (laughs) All right. Um. Yeah, this movie kicks ass. I fucking love this movie. It's there's so many holes in this movie. There's so many weird decisions. The internal monologue thing will drive you crazy if you pay Mm. attention to it. Uh, because it happens throughout the film, and a lot of times it's just completely unnecessary. But there's so much here that's so stylish and fun. 
that's it. The thing with this movie is, it, it, like, people call it a bad movie, and I can't really argue that much, but it's so much fun. Mm. Uh, the, you know, the score when they're riding the worms into battle is fantastic. The set design is incredible. It never, like, even if you're, even if the movie is kind of wasting time in scenes, those scenes are set up in such ways and with such background and such interesting design that I never really mind. You kind of don't notice that it wastes its own time yeah. until yeah. the movie's over. And then you're like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you're like, oh, was that really a Because I, I went to watch this and I've seen this movie a, a ton of times. And I'm like, wait, this is two hours? Two and a I half this was like, almost. Yeah, I thought this was like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, because yeah, like I don't notice that it is, it is very clearly wasting some of my time, but I also don't mind. Uh, it's just silly fun. Don't watch it if like to learn Dune, (laughs) it is very much its own thing, but watch it because it's, it's just a great sci-fi romp, uh, in an era that had some really fun, cheesy sci-fi romps. Yeah. That's, that's about me. Yeah. I, um, I really liked this movie because I, I, f- I mean, I first saw the 2020 or 21 version of Dune and I was like, it's all right. It's, I think someone said it, it was too yellow. <laughs> I think I th- it was all yellow. Yeah. They chose the wrong mutt. It was yeah. actually really yellow. Yeah. But it, it was fine, you know, but then, um, it, it's, it's a big it's a lot of text to put into a movie and I feel, cause there's more to Dune after, you know, Oh Jesus. The, um, the Harkonnens are yeah. defeated. Cause you go, you go into Paul's like exodus into the desert. Then you go into like spoilers for Dune, but you could also go into, um, you know, Paul's children and Paul's like son who becomes like a worm, like God emperor of doom. Yeah. Half worm, half man. Yeah. So there's just a lot to it. And what I liked about this dude is like, it's, it's a good brief Mm -hmm. sort of brief being at like two and a half (laughs) hours, but like it's in comparison to the text. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then you have like the Villeneuve, 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 whatever his name is. <laughs> I shouldn't know how to say this, but he's like an amazing f- f- filmmaker and I like a lot of his sci-fi. Um, I'm not a big fan of Timmy as Paul. I find really? Paul. Yeah, I like, I prefer Kyle as, as Paul because I find like he's not whiny. Kyle McLaughlin, <laughs> yeah. because he, he doesn't look quite so much like a child the way yeah. that Timothy Chalamet mm-hmm. is and they're like close to the same age if not yeah. Timothy Chalamet might be older uh, so when he makes the switch to being the more mature adult yeah. Paul it, he looks it and it and it works better than when he's like child Paul yeah. uh, and I, I'm uh, holding my breath on what uh, how seriously I'm going to be able to take uh, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet in the next one yeah he's just he's just 90 pounds soaking wet. And I'm yeah. not expecting Paul, like, I'm expecting Paul to look 15. I'm expecting Paul to look like a child because he's been thrusted upon this mm. in a ma- unimaginable journey to become, like, basically God in, Ar- in Arrakis. Like, but at first he's just a young lord's son. 
Young Duke's son, sorry. Gabby, be be honest here. What you really want is from him to go from from little boy to rip. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. With the, with the uh, handlebars. Yeah. Hulk Hogan plays him in the second <laughs> part. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk Hogan as he is now. It's just like, all right, brother. I just call him OD, brother. Like it's it's the spice and hard desert living, man. It just ages a boy. It just ages so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Um, yeah. I like this movie as a as a cult movie. Uh, yeah. Visually, it's super interesting. There's so much fun effects and costumes and sets and all these things that are great about it. But I don't think it really accomplishes what it sets out to do, and it, not in the way the new one does. Because mm-hmm. it the, this tries almost to a fault to adhere too much to the book mm. in the way that like the people who go, man, if they just gave the fans money, they'd make the greatest star Wars movie ever. And I'm like, no, you'd no. make this. You'd, yeah. you'd completely <laughs> misunderstand what a visual medium is supposed to be. And you'd make yeah. something like this. So it's, it's, you know, in it's, it's trying to adhere to the book. It's a lot stranger than the new movie, mm. despite telling a similar story. And mm. I think the thing the new movie did effectively was make it accessible to everybody. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, but still be weird and, and you need a glossary. But this one, I, I find, yeah, it, it tends to waste its own time, especially when you th- do realize how what parts of it are rushed and, mm. and uh, the people we don't really get to spend a lot of time with that you'd want to. You'd want to feel more for the Fremen going into the final battle. Instead, they're yeah. like the clone army in Star Wars. Like, mm. you don't care. Yeah, and then what, what I saw, like, in the Villeneuve version, because I find, find, like, this dune is a romp. It's like something like it's fun to watch. You know, I liked it a lot. I liked how they handled the story of Dune. But if you're going to make it, I guess, something that's like not true to it, but something that encapsulates like the story of Dune and the characters of Dune, I feel like making a longer movie into different parts like Villeneuve is doing is great because we actually get that um relationship between duncan and paul Mm -hmm. because you you see duncan he's like friendly with paul he's like my boy (laughs) and um you know we we get that and we get to see like we see more of duncan not like hi duncan bye duncan (laughs) hi duncan oh oh no duncan (laughs) bye forever duncan (laughs) because it seems like he's done Mm. so I, I just, I feel for, if this movie had done somehow miraculously like a Star Wars mm. and embedded itself in popular culture, I would have loved to have seen the rest of the adaptations he would have made. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, when I was talking to a buddy of mine about this, he was like, I, he was like, I want the timeline where we had these movies instead of Star Wars. And I, I agree. Like, I would love if this had give, had more time to mm. tell the story been done in multiple movies. Uh, I think Have, it would have like, been super spin-offs. interesting, crazy eighties oh, yeah. shit. Like, yeah. would have been nuts. Yeah, they like and they had the cartoons that they made yeah. for kids. And now instead <laughs> of so like the Star Wars universe, it's like now the Dune universe. Yeah. Dune-iverse. The Duneverse, Duneverse Cinematic Universe. Oh yeah, yeah. the DCU. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I I think it's worth watching. But yeah, it's 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 a lot to take in if you haven't read the book or at least mm. even watched the new movie. It's 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 yeah. it's an oddity, but there is fun to be had with it. But yeah. I yeah. think it's it doesn't it just doesn't totally work. No, um, it's it's a fun series. Like I'm, you know, I tried reading it like firsthand, but then like this movie kind of made me want to pick up the book. 
Mm. And I've said in the beginning, and I'll say it again, like, listen to um, last podcast on the left. They do a deep dive in Dune. And I feel like that's also more accessible. So if you don't feel like reading words, <laughs> if you don't want to sit down and, like, read words, then just listen to that podcast. And listen to our podcast. Yes. Yeah, they're not mutually excu- exclusive, exclusive things. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, we have done it. We have conquered yeah. Dune. I'm we control sweaty. the spice. Now it's that time, and I'm I'm not sure whose go it is here, but one of you has something for us. It's okay. mine. I've been holding on to this movie. Oh, for a oh while. this is the one. This I am the one. like we we've so. been doing this for like so long now, yeah. and it, it, you've been teasing this I've for half teasing, a year. I've been, yeah. yeah, I've been teasing it for a while. Um, I didn't do it because it would have come right after things, and I decided not <laughs> to do that to us. Uh, so. We will be doing a movie based on a very popular property that we are all fans of. Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells, the live musical stage. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Have you ever seen this before? I've only heard about it in hushed whispers. Yeah. Dude, don't watch any like okay. people explaining it or any trailers for okay. it. I feel Just like... go in blind. Where in the world are we going to get this? So it's on YouTube. Okay. The thing that I'm depressed about, though, when I originally watched it, it was the full two-hour version that was oh taped God. from the pay-per-view and had the intermission and the preamble stuff on it. Uh, so we have to watch the VHS release, which is only 90 minutes. Okay. Uh, but I do have some info about what happened in the in the in-between sections, and I have some clips. I feel like Nathan's like, we'll I'd rather to take put a look my at. hand in the box. <laughs> there, is some, there is some bizarre and haunting press tour shit they did where they were on Oprah and stuff in the costumes. Oh, no. And they're, like, making sex jokes, and it's really uncomfortable, and they show so- kids' faces in the audience, and they're, like, horrified. <laughs> um, it's... A whole giant so like thing. so like uh, Donatello went off and he tried to do his own like um s- like solo career and it's not really working out so he's doing like bit acting and <laughs> oh man but yeah there is so much to talk about surrounding this the making of it why it got made obviously because everyone was obsessed with the turtles but there is some hilarious shit to be had um and yeah. That's what we're going to get into. I cannot wait for this. <laughs> I, I'm going to try and find this maybe tonight. It's on YouTube. The oh whole thing's on God, YouTube yes. and internet archive and stuff. So I'll, I'll just send a link if we want to get into it. Um, but yeah, so that's it. All right. All right. Looking forward to that. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We know this was a absolute marathon of an episode, but with source material like Dune, uh, there's only yeah. so much we can do here. And it also means you get to hear Dune porn next week. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stay tuned for that. Uh, s- stepsister uh, caught in the laundry hamper. I'm stuck in the worm. That's right. All right, everybody, have a great week. Bye. Bye. Oh, step bro. I'm stuck inside the worm. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, join the cult today by subscribing and giving us a five star review on your podcast platform of choice. Help us grow the cult by sharing it with your friends, family, and that chained up man you keep in your basement. Finally, you can connect with us on Facebook at The Video Cult or on Instagram and TikTok at video underscore cult 666.